Hello and welcome to All the Way Down, Episode 7. I'm Dash, this is Nox. How are you doing? I'm Nox. I'm okay, how are you? Uh, I'm I'm very good, actually. I, you know, I've been doing well. It's good to hear. Yeah, yeah. Uh, to continue last week's topic, last week we talked a whole bunch about, like, what are our favorite controllers and all that, and we, I don't know, we had some things that we agreed on, uh, but we we avoided talking about, like, the dumb and wacky controllers, you know, for the for the sake of like keeping it simple for now. We talked about the N sixty four. Well, it's funny uh, that you that yeah you, you always got to bring up Nintendo because like because um, like one thing that I was avoiding talking about really was the Wii and the Wii U because they're like it, it, as far as the main big companies and their and their standard num you know what what do you call it like the main controller uh the standard issue controller that they that they send out with their mainline systems Nintendo's had a history of being real wacky with it uh well only a recent history though as far as like starting with the Wii really you know um like the the N64 was kind of wacky but we talked about how like it was the right move at the time and like it makes sense uh, if you think about it, you know. Yep. And then the the GameCube's a little wacky, but it's less. But then there's the Wii, and uh, <laughs> yeah, that's that's when shit got kind of weird with. Nintendo. Do you want to start with the Wii? I guess, dude. I remember when they they I, I, like. So the Wii was a a big deal for me. We kind of talked about this on like episode one already, where that was the system that came out at the time where it was the first time that I had a job when a new system was coming out. And so I was able to purchase a new video game system the day it came out, you know, uh, besides Xbox 360, because I didn't care about that. Uh, you know, I was waiting for the Wii and but uh, but. I remember when they very, very first showed the Wii remote, I was like, oh no, like my heart like sank, <laughs> like sank into my stomach. I was like, oh God, this isn't going to be a video game system, um, you know, and I was really worried about it. But then they had that reveal trailer, you know, where they showed like the people hammering with it and they showed like all the different motion controls kind of stuff. And no one was sick of motion controls at this time. Basically, it was like, you know, motion controls weren't even a thing yet. So it was really a case of like, I saw that the that the controller was remote shaped and I didn't consider any of the possible cool things that could be out of that. I just thought, oh, for some reason it's shaped like a remote, you know? But then they showed the trailer that was like, hey, this thing points at the TV, so, like, shooty games are going to be cool. Hey, this thing is motion-controlled, and here's all the things we can do th with that. And then instantly I was psyched, you know? I, I, it, it completely 180'd me. Um, you know, and I was 16 or 17, right? So... Uh, I, I was easily swayed by their fancy uh, trailer for it. Yeah, I I actually didn't get into the Wii until mid-late era, probably like mid-late-ish. Um, mostly because I, I've said this before, but I skipped the kind of PS3, Xbox 360 generation for the most part until Mortal Kombat 9 reeled me in with the PS3. Uh, so I got into the Wii thinking... Well, I don't fuck the 360. I I don't like that. Um PS3, eh, whatever. I have one. And then 
all of a sudden on Craigslist there are there's a Wii for forty bucks for with like two games and two Wii motes with the motion control stuff and everything. It is like forty bucks. It's like I can't say no to that. So I went and grabbed it, and I had fun with a couple titles. Uh, and this is actually after my experience with Smash Bros. Brawl. So I was already kind of like I wasn't surprised by how much I liked the Wii. Um, I was just so happy with the way it worked when I found that that Wiimote. Like, I I I think I remember before it came out the rumors of like, uh, oof, Nintendo's doing this weird remote controller thingy. And yeah, like you said, there it wasn't quite explained yet that it was going to point at the TV that there was a motion sensor. It was all just what the fuck is that thing? And then uh, and then it wasn't even like the the showcase of like the Wii Sports and Resort stuff that you know they got to sell the console. None of that really did anything for me, um, although it is very fun. My friend Tyler brought over his Wii uh, and, and at our house, and we played, I think it was Resort for like three hours. It was fantastic. But the motion control plus that they added, I think, for the more advanced kind of Wii Resort stuff that later on became the second revision of the Wiimote, when they had like i think it was when twilight princess came out and they needed that more intricate motor and uh like uh gyroscopic stuff you know yeah. control data they needed that for that game skyward sword. so it might have been skyward sword i'm not yeah. sure but it was the first time that they had released new emotes uh with that were like longer so you didn't need the like add-on thing at the bottom um and i think there were special editions like there were gold legend of zelda emotes um but yeah, yep. it's like as There's soon as I played that one that came with a uh, new Super with Mario, Mario yeah, yeah. Um, I actually think I might have one of those. Uh, I think I do, or I I definitely do. It's Nicole's, but you know. Yeah, but and but when when I, it's so weird when you look at it. But just like the N sixty four controller, everything makes sense as soon as it falls in your hands. You play Brawl, and it's like this is I, I, it's the most ergonomic controller I think you can actually come up with because my hands are now resting at my sides at my lap when I'm sitting on a couch and I'm just like winning winning losing a smash bros <laughs> uh brawl match you know like I was like I this is so weird but so fucking relaxed and it's so fun and even though just like the GameCube there's like the the A and B or one and two buttons with the big A button it's like it, there's so few buttons but it all pulls together remarkably well it's very simple like that's kind of why i'm not a huge smash bros fan because the controls felt simple with the wiimote but like the the fact that it worked at all is actually amazing to me uh yeah i'm a little half and half on it first though remember uh when, when we're talking about like the reveal of the wii and and its controller and all that back then it was called the revolution that was like the code name remember that shit i do and yep <laughs> and then they revealed that it was, hey, it's going to actually be called Wii. And everyone was like, oh, Wii, that's what so the dumb. That? <laughs> they should have called it, they should have just called it the revolution. But, like, can you imagine if it was nowadays and we were talking yeah. about this Nintendo system and it was called the revolution and we're still saying that name? It would sound so, like, pompous and ridiculous. But anyway, um, yeah, yeah uh, so... I agree that, like, the Wii Remote is super comfortable. Like, it fits in your hand super, super well. It's got the A button in just the right place, you know, all that kind of stuff. Uh, just like the N64 controller with the with the analog stick also, like, 
um, in with the with the nunchuck, like everything is in the right place. But I I do have a couple gripes with the Wii Remote, which is that like I'm not into motion control still, uh, really, and like aiming at the TV for things. I don't know. Mm. I it's fine. But I, I feel like I'd rather just use a regular controller, you know? So, like, when when there's a game like Xenoblade Chronicles or something that allows you to use the classic controller the whole time, like, I'm going to do that every time. Or, like, for Brawl, I'm, I'm one of those people who, like, the first Smash Bros. game that I got into was Melee, so mm-hmm. I have to play Smash Bros. with the GameCube controller all the time, you know? Uh, Can I just but- say, cool as shit. Cool as fucking shit. That Nintendo put GameCube controller ports on top of the Wii. What oh, yeah. other system puts older ports on their newer system, which does not, you know, interface? Obviously, the the Wii Motes are wireless, but you know what I mean. Like, they yeah. they 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 seem to take the idea that we're going to have a completely wireless controller, but we could still have so much peripheral uh, access and 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 backwards compatibility with just just by putting GameCube uh, uh, ports on top. And they put yeah. fucking four of them up there, man, with two <laughs> right. memory it's card slots. It's the whole suite. Two memory yeah. card slots and everything. Exactly. Um, but, yeah, the 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 thing with, uh, like, when you're playing, like, uh, uh, Metroid Other M, you know, in that game, it, it, it has you, okay, first of all, the other genius thing about the Wii Remote is the way that when you turn it sideways and now it's like an NES controller layout, you know what I mean? Yeah, I like, love that. That was like mind blowing when they when they first revealed that, you know. Uh, and then of course it it makes more sense when it when it works with uh with the NES virtual console, you know. So yeah, like the the Wii Remote looks really weird when you first see it, right? But then you actually hold it, and it's like, okay, this thing is actually really uh, comfortable. And then you turn it sideways, and oh my god, it's like a sideways controller. That's really cool, too. My only issues with it are just that, like, I'm over motion controls for the most part and that kind of thing. And so it's like, eh. You know what, though? Maybe I shouldn't speak too soon about that because I have actually never played a motion plus game. I've never Whoa. played Wii Sports Resort. I've only what? played Wii Sports, and uh, Skyward Sword is one of the only. Uh, it's one of the only Zelda games I haven't played. I think like the Conduit Two. I think used Motion Plus. The Conduit Two. I want to say maybe even the first game did this, but I think it was just the second one. It, that was one of the pointy shooty games, but they they were able to use the Motion Plus. Uh, the Motion Plus to make it so that if you aimed outside of the screen it still knew where you were aiming because the motion tracking was so good you know so yeah like stuff like that but you know so so maybe i i would like it a little bit more if i played one of those games i'd appreciate it a little bit more Um, that's a cool use of the technology i didn't even think about because what i was gonna say was they the thing with the wii um was they kind of brought light gun gaming into the era in which it was dying because of just technology or technologically speaking, you know, LCD TVs were starting to become the norm. Um, they made it so you didn't really miss it. Um, I wouldn't ever say it's as good as like, well, it really depends on the game and how it's programmed, but I feel like the Wii's motion controls when it came to like shooting style stuff 
felt like there was a good bit of lag there. Like, it felt like I was actually hosing my enemies down with a garden hose rather okay, than actually yeah. shooting them, you know? Like, yeah. that's how the aim felt. The other kind of issue with light gun stuff on Wii is that there's a they have to put a reticle on screen because mm -hmm. it's not actually aiming at the TV. It's just tracking IR, you know? And so, like, to me, like, I, I did play a lot of that one Resident Evil game, the Umbrella Chronicles, you know, the, like, rail shooter Resident Evil game. I didn't game. see that one, no. I did play a lot of that game, but overall, though, I, I'm, you know, I don't know if I want to play light game, light gun games where there's a reticle on screen. I'd much rather it, you know, be the other kind of thing. Yeah, it's pretty uh, annoying if you go to a, like, a, if, if you're lucky enough to have a movie theater that has arcade games around you right now, um... You can find those like ter like those new Terminator arcade games, and they it's like it's like the classic. You hold the machine gun or whatever, but man, that just slow reticle right in the way of all the action on the screen is just such a bummer. I can feel that. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. Um. So so overall, what I kind of get out of the Wii is that like I. The the controller is really comfortable. I just sometimes I feel like it doesn't have enough buttons on it. Is one mm. thing, like uh, or or at least not enough buttons with immediate access. And then the other thing is like because of the little bit of motion controls and that kind of thing. Um, sometimes it's like, man, I'd like to play Mario Galaxy again, but uh, I don't want to fucking whip the controller every time I want to make Mario spin. You know, it's just a, it's just yeah. a pain. <laughs> I can uh, see that being annoying. Yeah, it's not like a laziness thing. It's more like I'm just I I'm so concerned about things like input lag and all that. That like just having there be a a control method where I can't like feel the moment of impact for me putting in the input. You know, I'm not yeah. really into. You know, you need the tactile feedback of the controller to let you know you confirmed. Right, yeah, and so, you know, you don't get that with the waggle and stuff, and so, eh, Mario Galaxy is still a great game, it's just that, you know, maybe I'd play it more if if uh, if you could play it with the classic controller. Um, can, um, can I pull one out of left field here, or did you have something else, sorry? I, I was just going to move right onto Wii U, but you, oh. what, what do you got? Uh, we can talk about Wii U for a second, too, it's just because it's related. Well, Wii U is where I totally drop off, because, like, I've got... Mm. I've got some love for the Wii Remote, but the gamepad, I'm not into, like, at all. Uh, it's just, like, way too big with your hands <laughs> feeling like they're a foot apart. The it analog... feels like what I was... It feels like what I thought, uh, what I thought a Game Gear was like. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, I mean, the, the one thing that I'll say very positive about the gamepad is that the D-pad is pretty solid. It feels good. And, like, the A, B, X, Y buttons are generally pretty good feeling on those as well. Well, you've got, like, a weird thing on it, so... I got the condom on it. Yeah, so where do you... I, I don't like that idea of, like, you, you gotta rest your... Like, the knuckle of my thumb is very important for me. Where, for you, it's gonna be, like, resting on the silicone... And then so the buttons get pressed in deeper than where your thumb is resting? No, they're, they're totally cut out. Like, they're, the whole area is as if you didn't have it on at all. It's pretty comfy, yeah? actually. Yeah, okay. It looks a little close, but I'll take your word for it. But okay, 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 okay. <laughs> I mean, li listen, you definitely feel it, and I do not like the actual feel of silicone in my hands, especially the material like this where it's just going to just 
pick up dust and just not let it go. <laughs> well, then rip that bitch off, dude. Well, I, 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 I want to protect the the one thing of this that is going to see a lot of like motion and shit, you know. Yeah, it's one of those things though where it's like, is it worth protecting it if it means that you never used it to its full pleasure ability? I you don't want to I mean? find the pleasurability of the silicone condom like, on my Wii. You know, it's like you can either enjoy it 100% and maybe it'll get, you know, maybe there'll be an accident someday or uh, you can enjoy. Boy, this really sounds like I'm talking about something else, but, you know, <laughs> or you can have the cover on it and it feels, you know, 50% is good to use, but you can use it all you want. Uh, here's my here's my game plan. I maybe play Wii U games once every three months. If I get into a series or play a game that I have to come back to the Wii U on, I'm ripping the bitch off and not putting it back on, probably. Uh, if I have to you. use it a lot, yeah. But yeah, like my other issues, though, is I, I feel like the, the battery life on the gamepad isn't very good also, but that that's because that might be because I got mine used and who knows if the previous owner didn't take care of it or even swapped it out with something shitty. I haven't looked. But uh, the or the other thing about it, though, is that the Wii U marks the era. Actually, no, the Wii. Did the Wii do this? I always had rumble turned off on the Wii. But on the Wii U, I felt like that was that was when I first noticed that rumble was starting to become vibrate, you know? Mm. Like, it started to become a cell phone vibration instead of, like, a nice, chunky rumble. And it made yeah. this noise. Like, every time that the gamepad was rumbling, it was like... And it just... I hated it. Hated <laughs> that's, that's, it. That's the, ga the Wii U gamepad specifically? Yeah. I haven't so, noticed that yet, actually. Maybe it's because I got mine used. Who knows? But, uh, the you know, luckily the Wii U does have the Pro Controller, which solves a lot of the issues. But that's a weird thing for me, is that Nintendo makes a system. They say this is the controller that's in the box, right? It's the gamepad. But if you're a pro, then you got to get this other thing. The gamepad that we packaged with the system, that's for casuals. That's for <laughs> that's for idiots. If you're a pro, you're going to get the pro controller. I think that that's weird to have the pro controller be sold separate. But anyway. That, you know, I, I, I agree. I've, I've never been a fan of that. The messaging is just kind of weird for uh, on that for me. Um, yeah, so... Well, hang on. So I, I'm gonna I'm gonna say that this is weird too, because you brought up the pro controller. Um, I will say this: I have one here. It, as far as I can feel, is definitely aimed at the more like PS2 kind of fan like crowd. Well, PS4 rather, PS3, PS4. It's got more of that shape, I would say, uh, with the handle grips of kind of like an Xbox. I was gonna um, say I feel like the whole controller itself feels almost exactly like a 360 controller the shape of it i i think the shape of it it looks like that but it feels a little bit more like playstation to me um just because it's it's weird it's hard to explain without having all of them here together but the one gripe i have about this and i do like the way it feels so um, we're talking about the pro controller we're, we're not now, talking yeah. about the wii u pro controller yeah, yeah, yeah. uh it, it imagine the switch pro controller except the d-pad and the the left movements um uh, uh stick are switched so the way around uh, 
Yeah. Well, as, yes, as exactly. The D-pad and the left analog stick are in the same spot as the Wii, as the Switch Pro controller. It's the face button yes. and the right stick that Sorry. are swapped. Mm-hmm. Yes, the face yeah, buttons so, and the right stick. So both the sticks are in the higher primary position, and then the D-pad and the face buttons are in the lower position. Yeah. It's kind of weird. It. Can't Is stand that, it at all. Yeah. It's weird. Um, I do not prefer it for sure. I it's 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 not what I would ask for. But uh, you know, I played through like I played through a couple Wii U games with it and got mostly used to it, and it was fine, you know. But yeah, um, like what one thing was I I want to say for Super Mario 3D World, uh, you can use Y and B for your run and jump as you would expect but you can also use x and a uh which because because the face buttons are down and left from where they would normally be you can use the higher buttons and that kind of feels a little bit better it's like closer to where you would expect it you know Mm -mm, so that 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 at least felt better for that game but yeah for the most part though i don't love the fate where the face buttons are on that controller but it's fine um but yeah i liked that the switch pro controller they they went away from that design, and then it's also so they made the better. face buttons a little bit better or a little bit bigger too. Bigger, yes. Yeah. Nice. But all right, what's your wild and wacky controller that you're talking about? I'm not a fan wild. of the Wii U gamepad. That's that's the whole point. I got one more thing to say about the gamepad, though. Remember when the GameCube had the Game Boy Player and it was awesome? Mm-hmm. Why didn't the Wii U have a DS player? You've oh got my God. <laughs> you've got a second screen. That's a touch screen. In your hands, it would be perfect to play DS games with your main screen on the TV and the bottom screen on your gamepad. I've never actually given that any consideration before. That's a great point. Um, I want to say... Ah, real pickle. Yeah, I mean, it's it's got to j- just be the fact that the, the DS's top screen is like, what, not even like 360p? It's It's not a high resolution. Yeah, I mean, I, I would say that that didn't matter uh, for the Game Boy Player, which had the same problem, but that was back when most people were still playing on a CRT. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you well, well, here's the thing, though. Yes, that you are correct. However, they did do a DS Virtual Console on the Wii U. So you could play DS games on the Wii U, and they weren't concerned about the chunky pixels, you know? Did they? Did they have both screens, though? Yeah, it was top screen on the TV, bottom screen on your gamepad, or it was... Uh, oh, so they actually did do it like that. Yeah. Um, what the fuck, w- then? <laughs> yeah, it was a little customizable, even. You could have you could flip the screens, you could have both of them on your TV, you know, there, there were plenty of options. Totally, they should have just made a DS player, but who knows, maybe, maybe uh, it was, A, that the Wii U just didn't sell well enough to justify this, like, huge accessory mm, for it, yeah. or B, they wanted to sell you virtual console games instead. Dude, okay, I don't think I buy either one of those, because yeah. I think saying, hey, here's this thing that you can now play DS games on your TV and your gamepad in your hand and your home... I think that could have fucking saved the Wii U, actually. <laughs> I, I think agree. that might have sold it pretty well. I don't think it's worth the virtual console. Not, I mean, 
Nintendo has made some stupid decisions before, but I mean, who hasn't? No, yeah, <laughs> I, I I do agree. I think that if there was a DS player for the Wii U, that 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 would sell a lot of Wii U's. Totally. Because God damn it, the DS is not only just the DS, but the 3DS is huge. If you could have 3DS and DS emulation via a peripheral that lets you play shit in the Wii U, I dude, that probably would have made the Wii U sell so damn well. Yeah, I think so. But yeah, so it's always it. it's always it's always been weird to me that they never did that. Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a great point. I'm glad you interjected with that because I I didn't I've never even thought of that. I didn't even th I didn't even know about how the virtual console worked with the gamepad and your TV. Um, no clue. I, I, that is the, that's Wii U virtual console, so it have to work like that. It's not yeah. Wii virtual console. I had kind of a funny thing with that where I got a modded 3DS uh, to be able to capture it, you know, for streaming. And I played through Metroid Prime Hunters, um, and I was like, man, you know, this looks pretty good, but it kind of looks shitty also. Uh, I had this issue where the 3DS uh, embiggens the picture a little bit because the 3DS's screen is bigger than the DS's screen. Mm -hmm. Or at the very least, it has more pixels. Yeah. Uh, so it, it embiggens the, the DS graphics to fill up the whole thing, but it does like a little bit of bilinear filtering or whatever filtering it is on there. Um, and so it's a little blurry, you know? And then I got Metroid Prime Hunters, I think, it was, yeah, it was that, on the Wii U Virtual Console, and I was like, whoa, the graphics look so much better with these nice, clean, razor-sharp pixels, you know? And then I learned later, only learned later, hey, guess what? If you want to play DS games on your 3DS, if you hold the start button while you boot the game... It boots the game in the original DS's resolution without hmm. making it larger, and so it's pixel perfect, and oh my god, it looks so much better. Nice. Like, yeah, you've, you've got some black bars around it, you know, because the screen's a tiny bit smaller, but after five minutes, you don't even see them anymore, and you're enjoying much better looking pixel art. So there's a hmm. tip for you if you didn't know. I didn't know that. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I, I, my, my wild and and wacky out of left field controller, uh, I was going to bring up, was actually something I've never tried. I was going to ask you, maybe you can answer after this, but uh, there's always been a weird controller that I've wanted to try so fucking bad, and they're hard to find because I, I want to say they might even be exclusive. Um, have you ever seen for the PS One the Namco NEGCon controller? N-E-G-Con? No, I've never even heard of it, I don't think. Or N-E... Or, or Neg-Con. I have no clue how you actually pronounce it. Um, I think it came out for... It was kind of early in the PS1's lifespan. Uh, the whole kind of gimmick was that we they wanted to make a controller that you can alternate... It, it, if I'm, I'm talking on my ass again because I haven't tried it. But the idea is to control... Uh, a value like an analog value with instead of using a stick the controller is kind of bisected in half and you oh. actually twist both sides of it while you're controlling it I and apparently i've seen that i think they i think they made that for ridge racer i want to say 
Yeah, that that I mean that's what I first thought when I when I saw it was that it, that looks like it's made for a racing game. Yeah, you twist the controller and that must translate to like analog stick left and right. Mm-hmm. Um I also saw similarly, I saw a controller once where the left analog stick was replaced by like a like a rolling wheel kind of thing. Uh, and there was some other detail about it also that made it seem really racing gamey, but it was like the same thing where, where are you talking about, uh, there was like an arcade mod I saw on Twitter the other day. It was pretty cool. Is that what you're talking about? Do you know what I'm talking about? I saw this a long time ago. So I I don't know, but it it, it was like, you're talking about like, it's a handheld PlayStation controller that looks totally normal. Well, normal as in the shape of it, except that instead of a left stick, it had like this, like slider or roller kind of wheel thing. Was it also a Namco controller? Did it kind of? Yeah, I don't know. Did it kind of have that shape of a uh, Virtual Boy controller with a um, big weird tire in the middle? I'm seeing that actually in a Google not image that one. It's called yeah, the JogCon. Not, not that one either. Not that one. Okay. But uh, but yeah, you know, just a just a, a weird controller. Like, hey, if you you know, I I get it. If you play a lot of if you play a lot of racing games, um, mm-hmm. you know, your that analog stick might be a little like not accurate enough, you know. Yeah. I, I've always kind of wanted to play a, a a racing game with like the full 900 degree steering wheel, you know. Mm. I, I I actually have. Um it's not it's not as as glamorous unless we're talking about a different one here. But like the reason I'm kind of like attracted to the Namco NEGCon, whatever you call it, is not even so much yes for racing games but like i'd love to experiment with other kinds of racing games and other kinds of general games like if you think about the way that you're that you're rotating each side of that it's a lot actually closer um to how you would control a motorcycle than you would with an analog stick oh yeah yeah it it would simulate like a lean event in your hands, and I think that's mm-hmm. I think that would translate into a, like a like a MotoGP game pretty well, um, it, stuff like that in general. But like, what the hell would it do in a fishing game? You know, what would it do right. in a beat 'em up? What would it do in a shooter? You know, it's a I have I have no clue what you could do with that. Maybe you could play a fighting game with it, and like you change like you program a little memory in PCB. It's like to 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 accept uh, the left analog value as like heavy punch, and and the right analog value as heavy kick or something. And you're just doing this playing Street Fighter or something. That'd be funny as shit. Yeah, I feel like you know it's no different than like playing a game with a Guitar Hero guitar or a dance pad yeah. or something. Where like you know, yeah, it, technically because the buttons are mapped in this way, it's possible, but. You know, mm-hmm. it's not what it's designed for, so it's going to be a novelty at best. Is there a super weird controller that you've seen that you've really wanted to try? Uh, the Virtual Boy controller, because mm-hmm. it has two D-pads on it. It's got a D-pad it... on both sides. Have I you just, used it? it? No, in ge- I've never played a Virtual Boy. Um, I would like to try it, you know? Like, everyone shits on the Virtual Boy, because, like, okay, it is <laughs> absolutely, like, asinine that you would release a 32-bit system that can only produce four different shades of one color, you know? Like, mm. like yeah, like, and, and not only that, but that it's, like, that it's, like, searing red is the <laughs> color that it produces, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah, I, you hear that, and it's, it's like, what the fuck were they thinking, you know? But, 
Yeah, using bet, red as like the, your background or backdrop to anything, like a searing red, it can really hurt your eyeballs after a while. I don't know why anyone <laughs> would use that. <laughs> um, but yeah, like I, you know, I, I would still, I, I bet the a couple of the games are still pretty good on it. You know, there's that they Wario are. game that's probably pretty cool. There's like a tennis game, right? Because mm-hmm. the yeah, thing so, that the, the thing a lot of people don't know about Virtual Boy is that it's 3D, like actual yep. stereoscopic 3D. Um, like you like, don't need glasses. Like you just put the visor on and then it's 3D. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Hey, I'll tell you what though. Um I well, we can talk about the Virtual Boy controller for a second too. I have maybe 15 solid minutes of experience with the Virtual Boy. Um because uh shout out to my local retro gaming store, uh Donstar Video Games here in Richmond. They got one in, and uh, I, I, I just fucking rep for them so much because they're just a really good company, great people and everything, and they let me try the Virtual Boy in like a couple days after they got it in. Um, just so you know, the price tag of that thing is like 400 bucks, and and the base station that holds this heavy-ass visor is broken. They, it's, they're very commonly broken, but they had some mess of super glue on only one side. It was sketchy, so I didn't want to play it too long. Because, oh, I don't want to break it, you buy it that situation. I mean, I'd love a Virtual Boy, but not for 400 bucks and for, you know, broken. Yeah, not, not a broken one, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm sitting here uh, getting my retinas seared like tuna steaks, just looking at Mario Tennis, having the time of my life and simultaneously, like, I, okay, so background about me. I love, like, heights. I love... I want to go skydiving. I'm not. I'm not like grossed out by motion sickness generally. I don't get seasick. Um, Ten minutes, fifteen minutes. I want to say of the Virtual Boy did not make me sick. But you know how you remember those magic eye paintings? You have to unfocus and cross your eyes to look at. I love those. Yeah, imagine looking at those and seeing the shape, except that shape is now moving and you're tracking something and you are tr- you have to follow that image without unfocusing your eyes. Uh, or focusing your eyes, rather. The eye strain of, of a magic eye times, like, 50, and then you're also using your cognitive abilities to understand what the fuck you're actually seeing. And your eyes don't fully understand, but your brain goes... Maybe, okay, we'll piece it together this way. Um, as far as the controller, though, it's comfortable as shit, dude. It, it's ergonomic as hell. Um, and your thumbs both sit dead center on those D-pads. It's the Wii U gamepad, except it's D-pads and it works. <laughs> like, with, with Mario Tennis, I want to say, ah, my memory is shit, but I want to say the movement of Mario Tennis um, was... You could have it on either D-pad, so you can move left to your left side on with you know with the left D-pad. You can move right with the right side on the right D-pad, but I think you could still go opposite directions just going on the other input of that D-pad. Um, that or one of them was used for like three D, like more complex spatial movement. So like, say you're Mario, and well. You, you don't. You, it's not a Game Boy. You're not going to hit B for strike, and then bam, there goes the ball. This is the ball is coming up this way. Up. Oh, this is no. It's coming down this way. We got to we got to play to the 3D. Uh, you know, oh, 3D. So like the right D pad kind of controls like the direction of your tennis. Of your swing? tennis. Yeah, exactly. Oh. It can, I want to say it it, it 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 did that more than the movement, but I, I want to say movement was also uh, on both sides. I can't remember. 
but it's comfy. And that's it's weird because it's like that's the one good thing that console did. Except the weird fucking quirk. Okay, so okay. The shop owner was not in the shop when uh, when I came by and played. Um and I was working with the person working at the time and we were sitting here trying to figure out where the fuck do you plug this thing in? <laughs> like oh. Okay, so we, it took us about 30 solid minutes of like googling and then like what the fuck there's something weird about my controller oh, my, my virtual boy's broken couldn't get a lot of good answers um which is stupid because this is like a main feature of a console this should be common knowledge but it's not so you plug the controller in to the wall like not, not to the i want to say you get power through the controller like the visor plugs in, into the controller and then the you plug the controller into the wall if if memory serves and like you know how the the brick of uh of the GameCube, the power brick, has that one little cable coming out the end, and like it looks like a little Lego brick with a two prong thing, and one side's a semicircle, and the other side's square, but it's one solid pill shape kind of. Um, imagine that coming into the visor from the controller, and then the controller to the wall. So if this was a heads, I I could understand this design. If this was a device that you wore on your head and you were maybe moving around, because yeah. if because if you walked out of range of it, you instead of yanking on your head, uh, you know, instead of your head yanking on the wall, it would be the controller. You know, get a little tug in your hand. Yep. So that I could understand. However, from what I understand, you don't strap the Virtual Boy to your head and and have it be free moving when you use it. I would say that I'm disappointed that you don't, but that thing is kind of front heavy too. So yeah. I feel like in order to make the Virtual Boy comfortably sit on your head for like relaxed playing in a chair, you'd have to have like some heavy metal like like back of the headband too. Like you remember the uh, the night vision goggles from Jurassic Park, the huge fucking things with the the green lights that spun. Um, and you know, it was like 50 pounds. I, I feel like that's what the virtual boy would have to be. Yeah. yeah. Or it, like, it would have to have one of those like valves that a hard hat has, you know, when you put it on and you know what I'm talking about? No. <laughs> Are you just making a valve reference? <laughs> no, 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 no. It's, I, it's, uh, hard hats, dude. They, they, it's like, uh, the hat is hard, right? Mm -hmm. But then the inside of it has like this, the four straps the liner, that go yeah. around your head. And then the back of it has like a crank. You just twist it, and that either like tightens or loosens. Oh the yeah, okay, yeah, I, I know what you mean. Yep. Th Which I, work. you know, until this day, I never like thought about that and related it to the Valve logo. But that it totally reminds me of that. Yeah. Yeah, and this that was way like you know the Valve logo. That was way before they ever planned on getting into VR. So I don't think it was related. But oh, yeah. for sure. Yeah, I don't, I don't know, so, but I'm glad you brought up VR because, so the thing about what you were saying about, like, your, your, ha your eyes are doing, like, a magic eye, right? Because mm -hmm. that's, like, how stereoscopic 3D works. The difference with the magic eye is that it's a, it's a single image in front of you, and you need to, like, use your willpower <laughs> to, to unfocus your eyes on it and then focus them differently, while with like VR, and I thought with like the Virtual Boy, um, your eyes are getting a, a different image, each of them, you know? And so they, sh in theory, they shouldn't have to do any kind of magic eye stuff. They should just see it and your brain mm -hmm. goes like, oh, it's like this. 
Um, it, it might have a lot to do with the fact that, like, you know, magic eyes that you're you're having to compensate for being on a two D plane, being that it's a sheet of paper. So with um, with, with making two D graphics in full your brain into you know making it think you're three D, I would think it's still kind of the same challenge, but. I don't know how the virtual boy necessarily works. Well, the so. the only way, like like we're 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 getting real scientific here, but but like mm-hmm. the only way that you achieve three D is just by seeing an image with with two eyes, right? Or mm. by seeing a, by seeing a different image with both eyes, yeah, at a slightly different angle. You know what I mean? That's that why makes perfect you, sense. Yeah, that's why if you close one eye, you don't have any depth perception. You know. Mm-hmm. Because when you have both your eyes open, you're seeing everything at a slightly different angle. And so your brain knows anything that your two eyes are seeing, like, further apart is is closer to you and that kind of thing, you know? So if you're able to... So so if a, if a VR thing is able to just deliver a different picture to both of your eyes, and those two pictures are just two two different cameras in the same game that are about as spaced apart as eyeballs, you know, you're, it's super seamless for your brain mm-hmm. to, to pick up on it as just regular vision. Um, I actually tried out VR for the first time myself very recently, mm-hmm. and uh, I, I was amazed at how, like, not eye-straining it was and not motion-sicknessing it was and stuff. It was, like, super seamless, and I, I, uh, I really liked it. Yeah, um, and even the first time I tried it, I was drunk. Didn't puke at all. Didn't want to. <laughs> <laughs> it was great. I fucking loved it. <laughs> but yeah, I, I do wonder if like something about the Virtual Boys, like maybe it's the 32-bit system is not mm-hmm. able to... Like maybe the fact that it's lower res and, you know, the, the fucking 2-bit color depth and that kind of stuff, yeah. you know, is maybe some of that is why it was straining. And you know, it's like, I would think maybe frame rate has something to do with it too, because if you actually look at it, um, it actually looks like it runs at a, a really nice 60 solid frames a second. Um, but here's the problem with that. With VR, I think in order for it to get to the point where it fools your brain into you seeing that as a 3D image, it has to be moving at like, what, 90 frames a second? Uh, yeah, I'm not sure what the actual number is, but I'm pretty sure most VR headsets are above 60. Yeah, yeah, they have to be, or else that you, I think you'd get severe, uh, not not even motion sickness, but like like migraines, probably. I would think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there there's some interesting stuff. Like I I I want to try out more VR pretty soon because when I used it, it it did not d- trigger any kind of motion sickness whatsoever. And that was even playing a game that was that was moving, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, you can play Beat Saber, and that you're just standing there, you know? There's no problem. But I tried another game that, that was like an auto, like a on-rails automatic movement kind of thing, and that's what you would expect, maybe, to kind of... Was it... Were you shooting, like, evil clowns at this weird nighttime, like, uh, like, 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 a, like a carnival, like, roller coaster ride? Oh, like Carnival? No. Carnival, yeah. That was nah, a good th- game. I love Car- that. <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, it was not that. It was, um... Uh, what was the... I, I can't remember the name of it. I think but... that's the free demo that PSVR actually packs in, Carnival. I can't remember it, but I think it is. Oh, so I, that was a joke. Carnival is a different game. Oh, okay. I don't know what that's it's actually called then. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, but yeah, the the um, 
Uh, the the other one I played, I you were also shooting dudes. It looked a lot like super hot, but it wasn't super hot. Is basically mm. how I would describe it. Um, but anyway, point is though, I would want to try some of the other ones, uh, like where where you have some movement, like Resident Evil Seven. I'd be really interested in uh, in trying in VR because God. I've heard that <laughs> I've heard that so has like terrifying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I've heard it has like modes to reduce sickness where it's like. Instead of it being a smooth turn left and right, you hit a button that, like, turns you 30 degrees at a time or something. Mm. But I don't know. It sounds to me like that would hurt my eyes. Speaking of which, we're a little off topic here. But speaking of which, um, when I first played the 3DS, I thought that the 3D effect on the 3DS was pretty cool, except uh, Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time... 3d gave me a horrible headache mm, and i was okay. you know and it took me a minute to figure out why but i think it was because it the camera angle changes like it's playing it's doing all these uh it's doing all these cutscenes at the start of the game and every time that the camera switches angles and so my brain is like in one 3d space and now it's in a different 3d space in an instant that was like hurting my brain when it happened you know uh or I think like you if, said ocarina of time right yeah i think that was the exact same game that i first experienced the 3ds 3d on as well and i didn't like it it didn't um <sighs> bother's not the right word here's my experience i went Whoa, that's fucking cool. All right, now my eyes hurt, and I flipped the slider right down. I was like, yeah, it's way better. <laughs> <laughs> so the other thing with 3DS that, that specifically, like, headached me was um, in Mario 3D Land, when you die, Mario, like, falls. And so if you're in a top-down level, he falls down away from you. And you see in 3D, oh, he's going in there, you know? However, he falls, like, through the floor, you know? But they draw the Mario on top of everything else, like, as far as, like, the drawing layers of how it runs. This is kind of hard to explain. Yeah, I'm not picturing this at all. <laughs> okay, so imagine you've got a cam you've got a top-down camera angle, and then... Mario gets hit by something, and you know, you, you know, in Mario, when he gets hit by something, and uh, da, 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 and 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 he and he pops mm -hmm. up, and then he falls, right? So you're looking at that from a bird's eye view. He comes up at the camera and then falls away down, right? However, there's a floor there, and he goes through the floor because there's a floor there, right? But they don't actually draw him clipping through the floor. Even though he's past the floor, they're still drawing the model over the floor. So he's, like, getting smaller. and it's like, it's, it's like it's part of the skybox, almost. Like, the floor becomes yes. part of the skybox without actually doing that. Yeah, they just make that's Mario it, tinier and tinier and tinier. Yeah, so that's what it's like. But because it's 3D... The floor is close to you, and then this Mario that's on top of the floor is far away, and that like that like hurt my brain when I when I like it, it physically hurt me to look at to look at it when it happened. Um, so yeah, that was my other 3DS experience. Needless to say, I have a 2DS now, and yeah, I'm perfectly I can happy feel that. with it. <laughs>
I think the thing for me with the 3DS just it didn't make me sick, but it, it was a small enough screen to where I feel like my viewing angle and viewing distance, my like my natural viewing angle and distance was just slightly out of range and I needed to be looking at it slightly closer for it to not bug me and hurt my eyes. Yeah. So I would always just go, well, I heard anyway that if you turn the 3D all the way off, you get a whole bunch more battery life anyway. So I was like, yeah, fuck it. I'll take yeah, it. the graphics look a little bit better on a lot of games too, like um, <clears throat> if it doesn't have to do that. Because that's the thing is that for 3D, all it has to do is deliver a different image to each of your eyes, which means if 3D is on, it's having to produce, it's having to render two images, you know, yeah. instead of one. Uh, but it looks so, cool though. I, I will say it does look good. It's neat. Um, yeah, and I remember when it first came out, it was like 3D without glasses. That sounds insane, you know, mm -hmm. and it and it, and it really was. Uh, one thing about, like, the viewing angle kind of thing and needing the specific one is, have you tried a new 3DS? There's, like, three new 3DSs, aren't there? No, no, there's the 3DS, and then there's the new 3DS. There's, well, uh, well hang on, because I thought there was also, like, a... Rev okay, so there's the 3DS, then there's the new 3DS, mm -hmm. then there was the 3DS XL. Yeah, it's then... the same thing, it's just bigger. The, oh, so same hardware as the new 3DS, but it's just in a bigger heart, or, you know. Uh, so there's the 3DS, and then there's mm -hmm. the 3DS XL, right? And they're the mm -hmm. same thing, just one of them's physically bigger. And oh, then there's okay. the new 3DS, and there's also an XL model of the new 3DS also. The screens aren't bigger? They're bigger. Okay. Just me. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, yeah. It plays the same games, has the same controls, everything's the same, it's just physically bigger. Yeah. Uh... But uh, so the reason I ask is because the new 3DS has a different kind it has actual eye tracking with the camera on the 3D and so if you like turn the system to the side and stuff it's still able to give you 3D uh you know you're not like off the sweet spot anymore cool and it actually works surprisingly well I was very impressed when I when I tried it where um yeah it's uh it's pretty cool I should love the 3DS, but I just, it's just, that's just the part of gaming history where I just totally skipped out and just only did PC stuff, so. Yeah. And maybe not that's why I'm not so against motion controls and stuff like that. Like, well, maybe not against is the word, but like, um, I, 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 I love good motion controls and good vibration that isn't intrusive. Good vibration. <laughs> good vibes, yeah. Uh, so as far as the um yeah not so not to confuse you but to give credit to your confusion earlier there is also the 2DS and a 2DS I I think there's a 2DS XL but I'm actually not sure about that I but think then there, there is there is definitely a new 2DS and a new 2DS XL also Yeah so and the, I was like what's the difference between the, what's the new part so the new, so yeah, so there's the 3DS, 2DS, and 3DS XL, and maybe a 2DS XL, right? And that's without the new, right? Those are all like the mm -hmm. different models of the 3DS you can get. And then, so when you add new, it has a right analog stick as well as the left, and it, uh, it has ZL and ZR, so it's got two shoulder buttons on each side. And it's okay. a little bit more powerful. So there's like three games that it can play that the other one can't. <laughs> um, and they yeah. stopped making those officially like last year or so, didn't they? Yeah. 
the other thing that is different about it is far I think and this might also be linked to the power level of the systems is that I think only the new 3DS had a Super Nintendo Virtual Console on it. Hmm. Uh, yeah. I think. Interesting. I'm not positive on that detail, but if that is correct, then there's probably some other stuff too that it, you know, that it did differently. Yeah. But anyway, that's that's your various DS models. Uh, you know, it's a wacky controller. Remember What's when up? they made bongos for the GameCube? Oh, I have a pair. Me too. I got. I never two. used them, but I I do have a pair. They don't feel good. I no. you know. I've used them. That it's like it, it. It's it's not like a nice MIDI trigger or something, you know, like on an electric drum kit or something. It's like uh, it's it's like a big soft button that feels very bad to press. <laughs> it feels very bad to press. Yes, it's it's like uh, so. I never had them new. Um, I think the game came out after I sold my 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 GameCube for an Xbox, um, but. I have a pair that I got from a Goodwill, so take of that what you will. But when I press those goddamn surfaces, it's like three inches of silicone travel and then switch at the bottom. And it's just like, okay, I know kids had probably beaten on this to hell, but I don't think they were ever that good to begin with. Um, and and yeah. you got to get a real feel for them. Right, like if you imagine yourself playing a rhythm game on them, it's like, wh what am I supposed to do? Because if they're like bongos, you imagine you're just supposed to hit them with the tips of your fingers, but that that will not, like, you're not exaggerating, well, you're exaggerating about the three inches, but you're yeah. not exaggerating that there's like a ton of travel before you hit the switch, so if you're just tapping them with your fingers, you're not actually going to activate them, you know, you're not actually going to hit the buttons. And that's so, another thing, why did they go with, why did they go with digital switches? Like, why, why not just like a nice little analog uh, uh, potentiometer that you can just hit with a spring, you know, and it, and it like pressure sensitive for your sound? Why would they make it just this big fucking silicone cake and then just put a little clicker at the bottom of it, you know? Right, right, right. So, yeah. So, like, if you're thinking about actually playing a rhythm game, it's like, are you supposed to hit them with hammers? Because, mm -hmm. like, that, you know, that would get you... That that would... Uh, it would hit it at the right time, you know? It yeah. would get your timing if you used some reckless equipment, right? <laughs> or your option is to rest your fingers on the bongos and press down. However, that's very tiring, and the timing is not very good on it for something like Donkey Konga, you know? Because, yeah. of, be because of how shitty they feel, it's really hard to, like, actually time it out. Those bongos, man, I wish I liked them, but I don't. I haven't tried them yet, so I can't give a fair assessment, but from handling them and moving them from one box to another, I wasn't impressed. Yeah. Also, man, those surfaces build up some dirt, too. Those drum skins get, like, real gross looking. Yeah. I, I don't know what material they're made out of, but you are correct. They, uh, like, even if you don't use them, they just, they just get grimy. Weird controller, um... That's not so weird, but weird by default in its application. Typing of the dead keyboard controller for Dreamcast. Have well, you seen I, that? Was there? It was it not just a keyboard that plugged into a Dreamcast? Just a keyboard plugged into a Dreamcast. <laughs> oh, okay. But it was yeah. only was it only used for that game? It was nah, only Dreamcast no, 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 it, had like it, Fantasy Star Online on it, didn't it? 
Yes, it has Fantasy Star Online, and that's how you would communicate with other people. Um, but I think it was mostly it was a pack in peripheral for Typing of the Dead. Okay, let I me really one up you it. with that. <laughs> Have you ever seen that GameCube controller? Mm-hmm. That is, it's a full ass keyboard <laughs> with just GameCube handles on the sides. Yeah, it's fantastic, uh, and it's apparently like that's the best way to play Fantasy Star Online. Actually, is oh yeah. Mm-hmm. If you have the GameCube d- Director's Cut version, uh, and I think it's easier to hook up to online too, um, getting a modem. Like I think you just need a Raspberry Pi if you want to do it with the Dreamcast, but I think it's a lot easier to do it with the GameCube. And like the actual controller apparently is just is it's much better than the Typing of the Dead keyboard because it's just a fucking keyboard. Whereas this, you you're holding it the whole time, much like the Wii U gamepad, this gigantic fucking thing in your hands, and it's like. All of a sudden, I have to put it in my lap to to start typing, but immediately that's so much better than the Dreamcast's variant because the Dreamcast variant is just a straight up keyboard you keep on your lap, I believe. Whereas the GameCube combined it into one, I want to say, because I would one prefer input? a keyboard just on my lap. I, I I don't want my hands to be a foot and a half apart while I'm playing, and Let, then have to set it down and then type and then pick it back up. Think about it. So though. then the entire time that you're holding the controller, the controller weighs five pounds. I don't know, man. Yes to the weight. I agree with you on the weight being an awkward thing, but it, it go with me here. Um, say I am playing a high action part, and you know I I'm not using head comms or whatever for the GameCube online. Um, I'm in a boss fight or something in Fantasy Star Online. I need to do something real quick, but I need my teammate to do something even quicker. So immediately I, I take the controller, I place it down, I type, and then my hands default right back to the sides of the controller and pick it up. It's one less step than having a keyboard there because with the keyboard in your lap and the controller in your hands, you first have to put the controller down to get it out of the way. Go to type your thing, and that's if you don't have to adjust it in your lap. Whereas with the GameCube, you've placed it where you want it. With this, you have to just look, find your home row type, and then, okay, whatever. And then you have to then pick your controller back up wherever you placed it. God knows where the fuck you put it. You needed to, you needed to yell at your idiot teammate about damaging instead of healing or, or some shit, you know? And then now you got your controller back up. And by the time that you've gone back to what you can do with the GameCube controller, you've now probably taken a little bit more damage than you needed it to. You know, that's that's my know. thinking. I don't know. So, like, I agree with some of what you're saying. I, I, I don't think that it's I, I don't think that there's any problem in setting a controller down to then use a keyboard that's already in your lap unless like, you set it on the arm of your chair and then your cat knocks it onto the floor while you were typing. I could see something like that being an issue, you know. But uh, other than that, I don't I, I don't see the big difference between put a controller down. How about this? How about you, you need your friend to do something, so you're going to keep your left hand on the analog stick while you're typing with your right hand. Oh, no. <laughs> it's a lot easier to just hold a, you know, hold a half a pound controller in your left hand. Man, you know, it's so much easier. Like... <laughs> it's so much easier for me to type with my left hand. I've got years of practice with that. I can't type that, with my right hand. <laughs> that that is true. Like the, you, you definitely do a lot more like mouse on the right hand typing with the left mm-hmm. than you do 
um, or like whacking off with the right hand while you type with the left, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You definitely do that a lot more than. I'm doing it right now. Typing with your right hand. Sure. (laughs) Well, hey, maybe you need to type with your left hand while you input a complex sequence of button inputs with the right hand. Anyway, point is, I guess I just don't. I don't think I'd play with that GameCube uh, 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 keyboard controller. That's my whole point here. I wonder, nah. is it is it one of those super expensive GameCube uh, peripherals now? Like I bet. I Man, bet it's super I, expensive, too. I wish I had just bought those GameCube controllers back when they were only like $100. This is stupid. Know? Why would anyone pay $100 on it? Because they don't want to pay $500 later. <laughs> right. Cause like the thing, like I got my GameCube modded for RGB, you know. But like, there's so little difference between RGB and component that I feel like I would have rather just you been using a stock system, you know, rather than a modded one, and just use the you know official component cables. In hindsight, that's how I should have done it, especially because it, you know, it it. it cost quite a bit to get it modded anyway so <laughs> it was a dumb decision yeah it's, I mean, that was that's kind of a that's kind of a rough system to have spent a bunch of money on cuz a whole bunch of options came out just recently for like plug and play rgp yeah um but, i'm uh, looking at keyboard controllers here uh the sega dreamcast keyboard looking at complete in boxes looking at 30 bucks uh, I do not see anything listed here for the GameCube, so I can't even find a price on it right now. I'm sure eBay will have something, though. Yeah, that sounds crazy. But anyway, do you have any other wacky controllers to talk about? Because we can go back yeah. to, like, oh. the fucking Jaguar <laughs> and that piece of shit. <laughs> I've never actually held a Jaguar controller. No, I actually remember now. that What I said was my wild and wacky left field uh, controller earlier was not the NEG con. Uh, that's just one I wanted. The wild and wacky one out of left field. Can we talk about something uh, called Step Mania? I'm, I mean, goddamn it, not Step Mania. Uh, fuck it. The game was so shitty. I can't even remember the name of it. It was the knockoff DDR, uh, where you know how it, the DDR controls. It's just like one big D-pad that you step on on the floor. This was the opposite. It was every space that the DDR pad did not occupy. So it was top, top left and right, bottom left and right corners, yeah, and then a center button. And it oh, was yeah. the stupidest goddamn... You, you play DDR for years, this game comes along, you try it, and it does nothing different except the control layout's fucky. It's like, dude, I, oh my god, I fucking hated that controller so much. I, I, I'm sure like maybe 2% of humanity out there uh, who's played video games as well can actually identify with my complaint here, but can, can you see that at least being disorienting? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Were you ever a DDR fan? N- no. Um, I, I told the story earlier that, like, the only times I ever played DDR as a kid, I didn't understand what a rhythm game was. Oh, that's right. So, yeah. like, yeah, it's so, like the arrows start coming up, and I was just like, okay, hit this sequence as fast as I can, you know? And I'd just lose right away, and that, that was that. <laughs> so then, you looked at it like a fighting game trials run or something. It's like, here's yeah. all the inputs. Put them all in right now. <laughs> yep. Uh, and then Guitar Hero kind of taught me what an actual rhythm game was. And I and, and now I'm like, uh, I, I love rhythm games, and I've played a bunch of them, but I've still never played DDR. 
Like, um, I mean, nowadays I've played like two rounds of DDR in an arcade now that I know how to play it. Yeah, but that's it. Okay. Yeah, I played DDR at pretty much any arcade that, that had it. Um, and my stupid, fat, little out of shape ass was like, you know, failing by song three, but I loved every second of it. I was having fun all the time. Sucked at it, but loved playing it. Um, I didn't, I wasn't like, I, I, I didn't actually own any of the home console ports. Uh, but man, when you played on the PS2 or, or I think there was, there was a couple PS1 versions. There was DDRs for a lot of systems, actually. Um. The soft pads, like the fold-out mats, are like the worst shit ever. Because the way you use those controllers, it just the very nature of dancing on top of them uh, means it's gonna crinkle up and get into like a ball beneath you. You're gonna miss the inputs because it's 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 turning underneath your feet and you're not hitting the thing the right way. It's it's a mess, but you can yep. buy home controllers for like two to five hundred dollars, like actual steel uh, plug-in PS2 controllers. Pretty cool. Yeah, because another big thing is like the bar behind you is super important to have for balance. It's funny, like so I've watched some pro DDR stuff. Specifically, I want to say the game is called like ITG or something. Do you know what hmm. I'm talking about? No. Uh, it's like the clone hero of DDR, kind of. Except I think it's it's been out a long time before Clone Hero. So that's that's Step forgive Mania. me for saying that. For what I was referring um, to earlier, Step Mania is actually oh, just okay. DDR, but on a on a computer. Yeah. the The funny thing about it though is that like the people who are the very best at it, it's it, you know what they're doing is like they're holding on to a bar behind them, and they've got their feet diagonally on all four buttons, and they're oh, moving yeah. just just as little as possible, just making the tiniest little foot motions. God, you that know? pisses you off, all, doesn't it? Their whole body is all tense, and they're just like wiggling <laughs> their ankles around. But you look at the screen, and they're doing these fucking two thousand notes combos at 100 notes per second and it's just nuts so yeah that stuff's funny <laughs> it's one of those things it's like it's really impressive but when you see it happening you're like what is this stupid shit like you, you don't know what's going on <laughs> but at the same time dude if, if, okay listen if someone tells me uh let me, let me show you this video of these pro ddr players i want some fucking actual dance moves you know like that's actually like Fuck, DDR competitions should have style points with, with like with the judges can issue alongside gameplay or something. I yeah, don't know. <laughs> it's it, it it's definitely two different like fields of like w yeah, what are you looking for mm -hmm. in in you know? Because yeah, like like I, I'm sure people who are actually into the dancing games, then what they care about is who is like technically the best, you know. But as like a casual viewer, yeah, you know, th this goes along with everything, you know. As a casual viewer, you want to see. You know, you want to see some some swag. <laughs> but back to the weirdness of these controllers, um, I actually think that okay. Well, first of all, if you if you imagine uh, a real giant D pad for you to step on, you got the cardinal directions: north, south, east, west. Uh, who the fuck actually dances? It the human legs don't make that pattern in a natural sense at all. So, like, if, if you think about anyone who's dancing, they have to be slanted, like you see those pros doing, because you're working with two legs, and you're working with up and down when you slant your body like that. So, I guess the idea of making the five-button, like, reverse checkerboard kind of pattern thing 
was making it so you have a more natural progression of the way the body would dance. And there's more buttons, so... Like, yeah, the addition of the fifth button, even though I actually really fucking hate this game, thinking about it out loud, it seems like it made it a little bit more ergonomic, but, oh, dude, I, I don't know what it was. Back in the day, it just DDR just felt so much better. Yeah, and, and what I was saying about, like, the way that, like, the best of the best play the DDR, the Cardinal Direction style... Their feet are able to cover all four buttons at mm-hmm. once by standing on the corners, and you can't do that with the with the game that you're talking about because they're more they're slightly more spread out. So you'd it have forces to do the you same to move thing. your legs. Yeah, you'd have to do the same thing. Um, what? No, no. Yeah, you're right. You'd have to crab walk and then use your butt for the middle button. <laughs> mm-hmm. That'd well, be actually kind of fun to see. <laughs> Do you have any more weird controllers you want to talk about? Uh, I don't think so. I'm well, yeah. You know, I don't know. I don't know if there's any that are necessarily, you know, all that worth talking about. We haven't mentioned a single fishing rod controller yet. Well, you're the fishing rod controller guy. No, nah, I don't own a single one. I was hoping you had one. <laughs> you? I thought you were gonna. Uh, you were talking about playing Smash TV with a fishing rod controller. Was that all a bluff? That was a that was a total joke. I don't think you can do that. <laughs> like it's the the fishing rod controllers I know of are for PS One and Sega Genesis, and by extension PS Two because backwards compatible controller. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think yeah Smash TV because I bought that on the NES, so there's no way I'm doing that with an NES controller. Um, but 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 fishing rod controllers themselves. I'm surprised there hasn't been more progress made uh, with things like the Switch, with HD Rumble. Like, I guess with the Switch's Joy-Cons, they kind of want to just be the fishing rod. But I feel like there's so much potential for the advanced motion sensing stuff that's in the Joy-Cons, like the HD Rumble stuff, too. The, The HD Rumble stuff, that could so well simulate the slight machine, like sewing machine kind of feel that you'd get from reeling in uh, a fishing rod. Um, then there could be like the tug of like the hook actually like, you know, hooking in the fish's mouth or something like that. There's so much potential that I haven't seen explored. And it's hard to tell whether or not that's because the technology is there or if the demand is there, because I feel like fishing games are even less popular than they ever used to be. Yeah, I I really like what you're saying, though, that HD rumble, I feel like a very good use of that would be to feel a fishing line mm-hmm. moving in your hands. That's a, that's a really good point. It's just, I the only modern fishing game that I actually know about right now is that, uh, that, that game I talked about a couple episodes ago, Real Fishing Road Trip Adventure on the Switch. I was just so surprised that Real Fishing was even still being made, um, that I I was so happy to get a copy of that, and when I played it, oh, god damn it! It it wasn't even the control of the fishing rod either. It's just such a weird, awkward game. Anyway, go watch yeah, that episode were, if you want to hear about that. Yeah. Right, you were saying it was like a visual novel almost, right? Yeah, it's not something a fishing. A, okay, back in the day, your son wants a PlayStation for Christmas. You want to go out fishing with them i'm not speaking of personal experience at all here <laughs> you you want to spend time with your kid anybody's personal experience here when has this ever happened 
Okay, well, so I live in the South, so fishing is a little bit more ingrained in our culture here. Um, and also I live in Richmond, which is known as River City, which is fucking cool for retro gaming reasons. Um, so I'm in, I'm in Minnesota, which is the land of 10,000 lakes. So mm -hmm. there, there's definitely a lot of fishing here also. And ice fishing. That's true. That is true. That is true. There's, and there's probably there's just as many rednecks up there as, as there is here. Um, but, like, for, for me, like, thinking about it, just historically wise for hardware you get a you get a ps1 for your kid for christmas you like to go fishing you're an outdoorsman but your kid's a video game person um uh, and also you love your son very much let's let's, let's just <laughs> let's pad this uh story out a little bit <laughs> and so real fishing was a game that any fisherman could pick up just like football is a game for sports fans who aren't really big into like mario or stuff like that you know they pick up they, they get a video game console they play the thing that they enjoy in real life so you play real fishing it's a good relaxing fishing game it's actually somewhat technical it's pretty cool this game is uh your uh, a 23-year-old kid who likes fishing, but also anime. It's a totally different target audience. Um, mm -hmm. Like, it, you're a kid who likes fishing, but also you just played 40 hours of Persona. You know yeah. what I mean? It's it's strange. So, good that segue doesn't, That doesn't happen anymore, is what I was saying. Like, you, you don't yeah. buy a PS4 for a fishing game. Yeah, yeah. So, speaking of, uh, so that's what you were playing a little while ago. Mm -hmm. um, I'm going to ask you, what, what have you been playing nowadays? Let's move on to our video gaming segment. What's Knox been playing? Well, we could talk about the rando stuff I've been running through my Sega Genesis. Or we could talk about Pokemon Green. Well, yeah, dude, you've been playing Pokemon Green. Yeah, Let's hear about it. Because I watched you play a little bit of Pokemon Green, and it was a lot more different than I was expecting. I thought that it was, oh, uh, in Japan they had Pokemon Red and Green, and then when they brought it to the U.S. for some arbitrary reason, they just changed one of the colors, and that's the only difference. But no, it's way different. Tell us about it. I wouldn't say it's way different. I would say um, I'm loving it a lot more than I thought I was going to. Because I love the original Gen 1 games to death, um, I play modern Pokemon and the magic isn't there. I played the Game Boy Advance remake of uh, Green called Leaf Green, um, which was just kind of like a, a nod to the original Japanese Green saying like, hey, we're remaking it, but this is the original, so we're, we're going to take from that. Uh, I played it. And I absolutely hated it. I got to where you might find... I think I got to where you'd find a Pikachu right after the forest, right before Pewter City. Um, and I really did not like the game at all because there was just something... It, you know when you have, like, a weird fight-or-flight, like, anxiety kind of thing going on and, like, you're doing the normal things you normally do, but they don't feel normal, and you're feeling like, oh, what the fuck's going on? That was kind of like my sensation of playing Leaf Green versus OG Red. Um, I'm a huge fan of the initial Gen 1 graphics. I don't need those upgrades because I played Ruby and Sapphire, and I got I got that game experience from those. I like, when, I, when I'm playing Red or Green or Blue or whatever, I want weird 
weird fucking like sprites of Pokemon that if you're just getting into the game as a kid for the first time, you're going to go, oh, look at this Venomoth. And then you get the Pokemon card and you go, huh, that looks a lot different. <laughs> yeah, this one yeah. looks a lot like chunky. You want to play, you want to play the original so you can do the weird glitch and catch Mew, right? Nope. I am actually doing a totally glitchless, glitchless run, which, uh, turns out is impossible because the game is glitched to begin with. Um, it could just be something with the fan translation or not, but I was able to get to Saffron City much sooner than I should have been able to because one guard, one guard like a like a, a tower guard place, they don't let you through. Um, and uh, it's just an NPC. He's like, oh, I sure am thirsty. So you go around and then you do all this stuff. You get the guy a drink. You come back to him and he lets you and you can progress the story. He was just like, hey, thanks for the drink. Never met him in my life. <laughs> So I was like, oh shit. Well, you know, I, I stepped back and I went, I'm 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 still going through the game as you would go. Um so yeah, I'm not doing it for the for the glitches because I feel like this game might be a little glitched too much to begin with. Like I'll get three hundred and ninety-six XP for killing one Pokemon on this kid's team, and then I'll kill the second Pokemon, even if it's just like another Zubat. And I'll get 29 experience points. I don't actually think I'm getting that three-digit number. I think it's just showing me another digit. Because sometimes, for some characters, it won't show a letter or a number. It'll show just a weird, glitched, like, hieroglyph thing, almost. Like, that wasn't meant to be in the game, but it is just because random memory you're, you're killing the Pokemon? You must be playing the uncensored version. Holy <laughs> shit. The thing is, uh, Pokemon is dark no matter how you censor it. <laughs> At the end of the day, you're still, you know, enslaving animals against their will and forcing them to fight to each other. Fight to each other. They want to, to fight, and they, you know, they—that's what they tell you. They want to fight. They, they like it. They love you a lot. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but that's like, what we keep telling ourselves. <laughs> the the differences in green though is like it's there's there's. There's very little difference geographically, except for Mountain Moon. Mountain Moon is a little bit. I think they. I think they toned it down um, in the later revisions because I think they realized that the encounter rate of all the fucking zoo. Like you probably can't breathe. There's so many goddamn bats in there. Like you're you're gonna come. You're gonna cough out a bat at some point. Well, um, yeah. Uh, so what's interesting about that though is that everybody talks about the zoo bats in Mountain mm -hmm. Moon. You know, it's like a huge meme thing. So like, it's are you saying it's it's actually worse in green, mm -hmm. or do you just think that? Are you sure that you just didn't realize just how bad it was in red and blue? No, it was bad in red and blue. I remember it being pretty bad in red and blue. Um, I haven't played red and blue like super recently to compare. But I think, like in the, the, I don't, I don't think the encounter rate's different. I just think the the actual pathway is longer in uh, in in green version. Like it's a little bit harder. Okay. So yeah. So tell us about like the other differences, right? Because one big thing about it is that um, if if not to just like speak for you, but um, the thing is, Pokemon was this actually I didn't know until later, and this is super obvious for a lot of people, but but. Uh, Pokemon was a video game first, before anything else. Mm -hmm. It was a video game. Here's a new game, it's called Pokemon. And people are like, what's Pokemon? Oh, it's this. And then they made an anime later. Now, I believe in the US, though, we got the anime before we got the game? Or at least we got the game after the anime was in production? The reason I'm saying this is because in 
in our Pokemon games, one of the names you can pick for your main character is Ash, and one of the ma- and, and one of the names you can pick for the rival is Gary, which are the names in the anime, and that's not the case in Pokemon Green, right? Yeah, I actually don't think it is. No, I think you're totally right. Um, I'm trying to remember what the names were in Green, but I'm pretty sure there was no Gary. Yeah. So- so so that's like one thing, right? Is that like it, it it was a little bit less attached to the anime in that way. Uh but then also well just yeah, give us these Well these, red these... red and blue are are totally detached from the anime too. Um the Ash and Gary thing very well may be what you're talking about where it came out later. So so yeah, I'm looking at Pocket Monsters Green, uh, red and green and that's 1996 in February. Red and Blue came out September 20 or 1998 or 2 years later uh in, in September. So the anime I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure I want to say I saw the anime after I started playing the game. Pretty right. certain. Yeah, but pretty close here. by I'm too. I'm pretty sh- I'm pretty sure we got the game before we watched the show, but it may have been a show in Japan already, you know. Yeah, I'm I'm looking at that now. Um it's looking like the f- well, that's for English, but the original run, okay, yeah, the original run uh was 1997, so 1 year after the game came out. Yep. Mhm. But 1 so, year before Red and Blue. To North America. Yep, you are correct. Yep. Yeah. So anyway, um but also like all the sprites are different in green. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't say all of them. Some of them are actually look like they have the same exact sprite as they do in red. Um, but yeah, the ones that are different are they're real funky. And you have to love Pokemon and love the charm of the first gen to really appreciate the because this is like this is you know this is pre this is like drawing board Pokemon kind of for for the for the West I guess because there's a lot of Pokemon that got cut over time that we never knew about um and there's a lot of like mechanics that got cut before I think the games came to North America uh and this is this is not like you're you're not gonna see new Pokemon but you're gonna see Pokemon you 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 know and they're gonna look goofier than you've ever seen them goofier. Or curse, just straight up fucking curse. They're terrible. Yeah, I love them. Though. Yeah, if you want a really good example, look up the Pokemon Green version of Ekans. Oh my it, god, it is the silliest fucking thing I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah, the um little side note here, um, the Meowth sprite is this like. It's kind of like a normal front-facing profile Meowth sprite, just like what you, what you think a Meowth looks like, except for some reason its body is like a little stocky, a little, little shorter, and just chubbier. Like it's just a chubby Meowth, and it's the cutest, funniest fucking sprite I've seen in the game. He's um, like a Garfield Meowth. It almost looks like a Garfield. <laughs> like he's halfway there to Garfield, yeah. Uh, and a, uh, a, a dear, uh, friend viewer of mine in, in my chat drew me with that cat. We, we called the Meowth coin purse because my chat names every Pokemon for this run. That's just the one gimmick of the run. Uh, and coin purse, you know, it's a silly little perverted, silly name, but also kind of a super cute name for Meowth because it's a, you know, coin on its head. It's a lucky cat. Um, I was... 
I was like, oh my god, this drawing is so fucking awesome. And now Pokemon Green is like, just via streaming it, like, is so much more special to me now uh, than than I thought it would be. I don't know if it tops Red because you know that's where my whole love for Pokemon started, and Gen One is fucking awesome. Um, but Green is now way cooler than I ever expected it to be. Not even just for you know me being a streamer and experiencing the externalities of the game not inside it but like i'm having so much fun with just how goofy it is but i know what everything is where to go what to do but i'm experiencing it like like i'm experiencing red version all over again like it's a new game and it's like it's it's kind of everything i wanted because the 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 magic of getting to experience something for the first time that you absolutely love hours later like you know it's like oh my god i'm gonna be all about this getting to experience that again is just it's it's pretty rare yeah um yeah you know pokemon i i i want to hear your thoughts on this because i've i've never been able to really get into pokemon games except for when i like when i was a kid of course pokemon was great but like i've never or, or i i've rarely rarely finished a pokemon game and uh, I, because usually I end up getting bored of them halfway through, and I can't, I can never finish them. But, uh, but the, I, I think I know why. I think I figured out exactly what it is. You've got a party of six Pokemon, right? But you can only battle one at a time, and that it just, I just can't handle it. I feel like, I feel like the the game is totally set up to where everything about the game would be so much better. If it was always three on three or something like that, you know. Let me ask this: What was the last generation of Pokemon you played? Uh, so the the ones that I've played overall are like I played Blue when I was a kid, Fire Red when that came out, Pokemon X I played some of. Okay, so and... you've played at least a little bit past. I want to say it was Gold and Silver when they introduced dual battles. That yeah. was where you could fight two of your Pokemon against two trainers going against you, or you yeah. could be uh, with another player in a four-player multi-battle over the link cable. Right. So here's my deal. It should be three-on-three, three, and every battle should be three-on-three. Three. Or, or you know, the wild Pokemon, maybe not always. Maybe you'll fight <laughs> one or two or four of them, right? <laughs> But Imagine I to... that in Mount Moon with Zubats, dude. Yeah, <laughs> this is what I want. I oh, need God. it to be a party. Because, like, the, uh, the thing is, like, I love classic Final Fantasy. Or, like, Golden Sun, where you've got a party of four, and you have to queue up everybody's attacks. One at a time, you have to plan out your whole turn with multiple characters. You queue them all up. And then, and then, boom, it's battle time, and everybody takes their turn, and it's like this exciting thing where you see all of your different moves that you planned out with all your different characters kind of come through, and, you know, then, oh, this guy is hurt, so I'm going to heal him with this guy while these other two are still able to attack, and all these tactical decisions, right? But in Pokemon, it's just, oh, he's a flying type, so I'm going to put my electric guy out, and he's going <laughs> to one-shot him. 
Yeah. Uh, and then, he, oh, he's a flying trainer, so he's going to throw out three more flying guys, and I'm going to one-shot all of them with my electric guy. And mm -hmm. that's the whole game, is that it's one-on-one -on -one of you one-shotting things with your stab-type bonus. So I'm going to say that this precedent was probably most likely set because of the limitations of Game Boy hardware not being able to process a whole lot of graphical effects at once and if they were to do that the game boy's resolution is so small that like my god look at the the sprites for the npcs and you as you're moving through the towns and whatnot that would have to be a pokemon and pokemon are so different from each other like stylistically moveset wise all this sort of thing that like you really can't get super defined at that size to where like i'm thinking of it as like uh snes graphics final fantasy 5 or final fantasy 6 um trying to fit 150 pokemon like let alone the like almost thousands there are now or some shit like i don't pay attention to the newer generations sorry um you get what I'm saying. It's probably hard to vary the sprites enough to where you could identify, okay, that is a Sudowoodo, therefore it's a rock flying, uh, or rock flying, rock, uh, plant or fighting. That's right. I don't think it had any so, plant. Anyway, I, yeah, it's hard. To... I hear what you're saying. Yeah. 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 I, I, I hear what you're saying, but. It, there's been fucking 20 generations of Pokemon games mm -hmm. now, and there's still this one-on-one -on -one boring bullshit that I, I cannot stomach for a whole game because it, it's just, it bores the hell out of me to have the one-on-one -on -one battle system, you know? Even stuff like the type matchup chart would be so much more interesting if every battle was three on three. Instead, because right now, as it works, here's how Pokemon type matchups work, is either it does nothing or one of the Pokemon in the battle has a gigantic advantage, you know? So much of an advantage that the battle isn't even exciting because they're definitely going to win. You know what I mean? But yeah. if you have three on three, so it's like this guy's good against that guy, but he's good against both those guys and that kind of thing, now it's interesting. You don't have to change how Pokemon works. Just put more Pokemon in the battle, and I'm on board. I would love it. If that were the case, but instead I hate it because it's boring. I'm I'm with you on definitely with you on that when it comes to later generations where there's not really much of an excuse. My thinking is they had to have questioned this at uh, themselves at some point, and I'm thinking like maybe if they play tested it, it's like okay, what if we did three versus three, or what if we did whole teams like six v six? What if we did something like that where we allowed them to duke it out all individually, like a like a party system in a Final Fantasy game or such and such. Uh, and then, like, it, it, maybe that would just, like, play out either too chaotically or be too hard to track. Or maybe they just kind of thought that the majority of the audience for Pokemon would probably not like it. I have no clue. I'm just kind of spitballing. Yeah, I mean, because I also just think that there's those moves like Disable and stuff like that that are not exciting in a one-on-one -on -one environment, but if it was just one Pokemon out of your party, now that's an interesting move, you know? Yeah. Like I'm saying, 
all the pieces are there for it to work. They just need to do it. I don't know. It's just, it's so, the, the, the one-on-one and to a much smaller extent, I want to say the 2v2 mechanic is just so ingrained in what Pokemon is, like from the anime, from the trading card game. You don't really do, like, you know, how have you ever seen a game of Magic or Yu-Gi-Oh for that matter? You have oh, a yeah. field of monsters that go against each other, and they do exactly what you're saying. You you choose what, who attacks what. Well, actually, in some games, you can't choose who attacks what. You just def- right. choose who defends what. But it's more complex, so I see what you're saying. Uh, in Pokemon, in the trading card game, it's even the same as like it would be in the Game Boy game. There's one active field for you to have a Pokemon out there, and what you do based on how much energy you attach to it and what its abilities are is up to you. But like, I I want to say there's probably at least a couple game modes now in Pokemon, the trading card game, where you can have multiple Pokemon against each other. I don't know. I've been out of the trading card game since, like, a while ago. Yeah. So, yeah. Maybe they've made it less stale. I don't know. Well, as far as, like, what's ingrained in Pokemon already, the reason I keep saying three on three specifically is because if you have a party of six, then that is a nice, like, three with three backup, you know what I mean, kind of thing. Uh, Because there's a lot of RPGs out there that have that kind of, like, linking system where, like, you might have a party of three or four, but then you've got three or four not active party characters, but they're, like... They're like the sub characters for each of the active ones, you know, and then they can tag in and out and yeah. do do co op attacks and that kind of thing. Like that's a great mechanic, and you know, I think it would work well with the that that way you would keep the six Pokemon party ingrained, you know, yeah, but have the three three in front, three in back kind of thing. I don't know. Look, I I'm talking about a lot because boy boy Maybe- would I like it if they did that. Maybe you could make Pokemon better by just making them look shittier. I mean, that's how I'm having a great time. <laughs> right, yeah. Well, I, uh, I am excited look, for new Pokemon Snap coming out at the end of the month. We're going to have to talk about that at some point. Oh, sure. Because I, I feel like that's going to be relevant to tonight because how are we going to control it? Are we going to have the, the Joy-Cons as like a camera or are we going to have it like... It doesn't do shit, <laughs> and you just—it's like a weird, shitty first-person shooter situation with an awful control. I—I I don't have a Switch Pro controller. I have the thing that you put—you slide the two Joy Cons into, and it's terrible. Oh yeah, that yeah. comes with it. It's mm-hmm. all right. It's not bad. That thing compared to the thing, Pro controller, I think it's compared terrible. to the Pro controller. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I'll take the Pro controller every day. But uh, but if you don't have that, I I think the the little slide on thing is it's comfy enough except that the handles aren't quite big enough so i feel like the tips of your fingers kind of ram into the back of it right away but unpopular Um, opinion i actually am kind of fine with just the tiny little single joy con used as an nes controller i actually don't hate that with my gigantic hands it doesn't bother me as long as i use i want to say i want to say it has to be the blue joy con the one on the left because that that Joy-Con has uh, the joystick a little further more to, you know, the top, or a.k.a. in this yeah. situation, the left. So it makes makes more sense to use that one. Hey, that that's kind of in the controller conversation, right? Yeah, right. If, you're, if you're flipping your Joy-Cons to the side to play a two-player game with the Joy-Cons, yeah, you want the left Joy-Con because the... On the other one, yeah, that analog stick is, like, right in the middle of it, and it's very weird. <laughs> and God damn it. This, this, it's reason enough to buy a pro controller 
if that just means you never have to take your joy cons in or out of that that stupid handle thing ever again because remember (laughs) this is how you know qa is important remember when the switch first came out and everyone was pissed because they thought they were breaking their switch or their joy cons because they were accidentally putting the joy cons in upside down and then it was like Mm, a pain like a royal pain in the ass to like press the button and then get that thing unclamped off the switch i did that a couple times A lot of, also people didn't know the and and might still not that there's that little lock tab on one side that you have to have unlocked to be able to mm-hmm. press the button and pull it off. Um yeah, you know. It's one of those things where I have something just... to, more to contribute to this conversation, a whole other dimension we haven't talked about. Daisy chaining controllers. How do you feel about that? Uh <laughs> Do you feel well... like you're do you feel like you're riding bitch? Let me think about it for a second. I, I, I have to think of an example of when this has ever happened. The 3DO. If you wanted to play multiplayer, uh, you would undo your controller, like a little slot on the top of your controller. You plug the second player into that port, and they play mm. through your controller to the console. That's crazy. Right? That sounds kind of cool. It sounds like a cool thing if you're if you you're all about eliminating cords going across your living room. I loved it mm-hmm. for that idea. And if your teammate f- gets pissed off or whatever and throws the controller, there's more cord length there to travel before you yank on the console and by extension your hand in this situation you can hold on to it. It's going to do less damage. I don't know why that never quite took off oh i don't know man if i'm player one and my player two throws their controller i i'd be i'd be pissed oh yeah absolutely <laughs> I'd, be, I'd be pissed yeah. at them don't throw Get your controller with that but i mean like in terms of like just the ability to to play multiplayer it, it seems just a lot less cumbersome to have still just one wire going to the console i, I, like, I like the idea yeah i like yeah, that the I, I, did that I never knew that it did that, but that sounds like a really cool idea. Yeah, um, and then there's also weird situations where this is more a fault of the console than, than the controller, but uh, the PC engine only has one controller port. Um, so they made something called a TurboTap, I want to say. Well, it's the PC engine multi-tap or whatever, but it's TurboTap because Turbo Graphics 16 in the United States. Anyway, uh, that, I want to say, is like, it's five ports so i think it's it's the only multi-tap with a weird odd number of controller ports to my knowledge unless it's a third party thing this is first party um and it was intended to play stuff and i I could be wrong about this but i think you can actually daisy chain multi-taps and i think you may be able to play that bomberman game on pc engine with like way too many people (laughs) Huh. Yeah, I I did uh you know, I just bought a PC engine recently and I did notice that it only had one uh controller port on it. Yeah, so it, it oh, you, you well, hang on, you bought the Duo though. I bought the Duo, yeah. So you bought the hardware after the PC engine where they had they had a little bit more sense. They should have just been like, "Hey, maybe we should add more one, one more controller port." Yeah, I'm pretty sure it only has one controller port on it. Maybe I'll have to look closer at it. Maybe it doesn't. Uh, or maybe it does have a second. But w- what's weird about the multi-tap kind of stuff is if you think about, like, the way that it, um... Man, I 
I wonder exactly how those work because you got to think about how it pulls the controller, right? Because the multi-tap can't just be... It's got to have like logic gates in it or something, right? Where where it can't it can't just be a splitter, you know? Mm-hmm. Because then it would be getting both it when it pulls, it's going to pull both controllers and it's going to get both controller data at the same time over the same inputs. So, it just gets both players inputs added together as one controller and that wouldn't be any use. Uh so yeah, it it would have to have like an extra bit of data to know. Hey, this is actually relevant in my little Google search I found here. Uh-huh. This person on Reddit a year ago said there's no built-in detection for the multi-tap in the TurboGrafx-16. I'm currently developing a multiplayer game and learned that if you only have a single controller, it reads that controller for every joystick input. Games that wanted to determine if the multi-tap was attached had to write their own routines. So it very well may have been that you played your multiplayer. Yeah, okay. So someone was having a, having trouble. They couldn't play multiplayer, but that's that, interesting that is a, too. That is exactly what I'm thinking, though, is that if you're going to – if the multi-tap is – if it all comes through the same port uh, and, the, and it was a, and like a, essentially an aftermarket product, that would mean that the games would have to be programmed specifically – like, it, well, they'd have to be programmed in a different way. Like, all games have to be programmed to pull the controller, um, which is is kind of actually a weird thing. Uh, it, with, like, NES games and stuff, different games have technically different amounts of input lag because they pull the controller at a different time. You know what I mean? If a game pulls the controller as early as possible, then that means that there's the most time between your inputs and the next frame that gets drawn, you know? But games that pull the controller later are going to have less. We're talking about the difference between... We're talking about sub one frame difference here, you know? Mm -hmm. But that it's a thing, you know? Uh, And so... And and yeah, so so games that are two player, you know, then they have to take time to pull both controllers. But then yeah, if it's like a multi-tap kind of situation where it's pulling out the same port, then it has to do them. Then yeah, I I wonder exactly how it does that, you know. Well, so There's... the the key is in that that first bit there where it said um, it reads it reads a like if you just have the single controller plugged into the port as opposed to the, ter- the, the the multi-tap, it reads the single controller in every possible logical controller oh, port. Right, which kind of makes sense to me because it's yeah. like, let, let's say that the controller is eight inputs, right? And so maybe it's eight bits that it corresponds to. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they maybe they use a ninth bit to say whether it's controller one or two and the multi-tap recognizes that ninth bit in order to direct which port out it's it's polling you know but the regular single controller port on the system discards that ninth bit because it has never heard of a ninth bit before and so it just pulls out the same port both times you know i don't think that's how it would work um it, I mean, we're getting into real nitty-gritty electronics talk here, but I'm not an expert in uh, I.O. polling, per se, but I do know that for, like, normal systems like the PlayStation 1, they have two controller ports, and I'm pretty sure those are a parallel co- connection, so it doesn't really need to 
poll uh, at separate times. It just has I.O., mul- like multiple I.O. coming in at the same time. Uh, and, yeah. it, and it handles it as the CPU can cycle it normally. Oh, so wait, which system is this? I'm just thinking that, well, I'm theorizing this is how the PS1 works. So, uh, so the NES is not parallel. Um, so okay. the NES is the only controller that I've taken apart and actually figured out how it, exactly it works because of Oh, I was talking about the to... ports on the, on the console, not the controller itself. Yeah. So, um... So the the ports are or the the different lines for an NES controller are not each of the different buttons, you know. Uh it uses a shift register, a parallel to serial shift register. So oh, okay, that's what that was. Yeah. So what that means is normally if you had an 8-button controller and you wanted to hook it into the system and you were like, okay, well, well there's a pin for each button, you know, that isn't really scalable because you have to have, like, two pins per button so that they can connect when you press the button. Uh, But the NES controller only has five. There's seven, technically, pins on on the input, but the last two are only used by the zapper. The regular controller only uses five of them. And... And uh, so one of them's power and one of them's ground, you know? You need those two to go in there. But then the other three are controls for the shift register. One of them is called latch, one of them is called clock or pulse, and one of them is the actual data. So only one of those pins is, uh, or, or wires in the NES controller actually has the data of what being buttons are being pressed being sent through it. So how it works exactly... Is in the in the NES controller there is a single chip called a parallel to serial shift register, and what all those words mean is that all of the buttons are connected to uh, all of the pins are powered, mm-hmm. and there's 16 pins on the shift register. Eight of them correspond to the eight different inputs: up, down, left, right, start, select, B, A, uh, and they are all powered. But they are connected through a button to ground, so when you're not pressing the button, they're just staying powered. When you press the button, it grounds that pin. That's how it knows which buttons are being pressed, is because that pin is either on or off, depending on whether you're grounding it. Now, here's the thing, though. You can press buttons all you want, and it's not doing anything with it, until a pulse comes down that latch line. When so all of the all of the button data is coming in in parallel because it's four or it's eight pins at once reading the data and when that latch signal is sent boom it saves the status of those eight pins and then at that point whatever is the zeroth bit of those eight bits that it just saved that the status of that gets sent down the uh, the data line. So the data line is either powered or unpowered, depending on whether the zeroth bit is zero or one, zero one, which which depends on whether whichever is the first button that gets pulled was pressed at the time of latch, right? Then the reason it's called a shift register is because when each time that a pulse gets sent down the pulse or clock line, it shifts the data one bit over. So that it can so, be read in a timeline sense yes so instead it's not being able to take them all at one time 
Yes, hence parallel to serial. Yes. Because the, the buttons get read in parallel, saved into the shift register in parallel, and then they get sent serially out that single data line. Yeah. And that way you're able to have eight or more buttons over over uh, just five lines, five electrical wires. So yeah, to wrap it up, what it means is that when the game wants to know what buttons you're pressing, it says latch. That saves which buttons you're pressing. Then it goes pulse, 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 pulse. And each time it does that... It, it, it's getting the next button down the sequence of whether it was pressed or not at the time that it latched. And the sequence of buttons, I don't know. It, it's the same. As in, like, it's just however they're wired in the inside of the NES controller, which, you know, like, what order is it getting the buttons in? It's a set order. I don't know exactly what it is, but it's it's a set order. Yeah, it's, um, it makes sense that with the way that you laid it out once you told me it was, um, that all the buttons were hot and you're just grounding by completing the circuit. That makes sense. Uh, yeah. I was, I was going to say that we, we, we kind of went into the, the, the programming electronics weeds there. So for anyone who doesn't know, uh, serial is, um, imagine a river. You're getting, you're getting a stream of information um, over a single line. Parallel is like, you can put that information in all at the same time. Imagine like you're playing Connect 4 and you put a red, uh, a red, checker i guess a red checker here and a black checker there uh i'd say for, for parallel data. is like parallel is like a highway there's multiple lanes that mm -hmm. you're getting data in at the same time yep yep and uh well the reason i brought up connect four was because a shift register is going to take depending on what what you're trying to do with it if you're trying to go parallel to serial or serial to parallel what it's going to do is it's going to take the timing and it's going to from serial, it will pull them out one by one and, uh, you know, have the order of operations there. Whereas if you're going parallel to serial, I'm sure it's a little bit more complex than that. Mm -hmm. um, so one other just interesting tidbit now that, you know, we've talked about how an NES controller worked is that so that shift register is eight bits and there's eight inputs on the NES controller. So how does the Super Nintendo controller work since it has four more buttons? I haven't actually taken it apart yet and verified this, but I think what it does is one of the pins of a shift register uh, reads it. Um, one one of the pins of a shift register can when it when it gets the shift command right, it it discards the the current data bit and shifts everything to the right. You know. I think there is a bit that is able to add data to the tail of it that uh or or there like like what what gets filled in now on that last bit on the end of the chain right now now that bits 1 through 8 we've discarded bit 1 and shifted everything over so now bit 8 is blank what is that right there's a pin that decides that and normally it's just grounded and it'll just be zero right well you said there uh, that the, the NES is 5 pins um the SNES I'm looking at is actually seven pins. So it I could... don't know if they're all used, though, because the NES is also seven pins, if you just look at the controller port. Wait, I was thinking five, because it... odd number is what I was thinking. Well, what, I, what the thing about the NES is, is if you look at the controller port, it's seven, but only five of them are actually used for a regular controller. I think that's true, yeah. 
Yeah, the zapper uses seven. Okay. Uh, or maybe the zapper only uses the other two or something. I don't know if it uses all five or all seven. Anyway, point is, uh, so the SNES, I think what it does is it just has a second shift register for the other four buttons. And so when it latches, all 12 buttons latch. And then the data line of the secondary shift register is connected to the pin that is the incoming data for when the shift happens. You know what I mean? To essentially transfer the one shift register into the other one as it goes. And that way you're able to serially get all 12 lines. I'm guessing that that's how it works. Uh, Would love any know, confirmations in the, in the comments or anything if you guys know. Yeah, if I decide to make a keyboard controller for Super Nintendo, then I'll be able to tell you for sure once I'm done with that. Why would you want a Super Nintendo keyboard controller? Because I like keyboard controllers, and I think they're fun to use. They're cool? That... They're fun to Well, hang on. When I say keyboard controller, I'm talking like like we were talking about earlier, like Dreamcast, GameCube kind of controller. Or oh, keyboard. no. I'm talking you, you... about like that NES keyboard yeah. controller I made. Okay. Maybe I could make... I've thought about if I made... I, I could make a, a Super Nintendo version of that. That might be fun. Yeah. But anyway. So... Do you have anything more to say about uh, Pokemon Green? Uh, Pokemon Green... Well, I'm still getting through it, so... Um, I will definitely say it's an easy-as-fuck game. It's made for kids, for sure. Uh. I know a lot of fans of Pokemon now, um, or people who aren't fans anymore, are kind of like, yeah, I grew out of it. It always seemed like it only just, you know, was made for kids, and I can kind of see that. I like Pokemon, but, like, some of the games are just, like, uh, it's a little too campy, you know? So, that was my issue with X when I tried to play that one, was that, like, Pokemon red and blue you had your rival who was just a fucking dick it's always and a you dick. Wa you wanted to just kick his ass you know because he was such an, an asshole but then i played pokemon x and it was like you had four companion characters oh. uh and none of them was like an antagonist weird it was yeah, it it was like uh you had there was like a guy who was like I love dancing and my art form is dancing and I'm going to do how talk about how much I love Pokémon through my dance. And then there was another <laughs> character that was like I just love photography and I'm going to do all my Pokémon inspired photography. And then you had the one character that was like your actual rival, but as a rival they weren't like they weren't like your rival in red and blue. They were like, well, you know, as long as we have fun, that's all that matters. You know, and it's like, well, that's no fun for the player. I want to be, I want to get fired up, you know, so. Yeah, yeah in, just... in the first game, like, it, <laughs> the thing from the anime actually happens. Like, you get to, like, Cerulean City and you read the town sign that actually does say, like, you know, <laughs> Just fucking like dragging your nuts across the uh, across the town sign, saying fucking like Ash sucks or some shit. Like he's a real dick. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and like every time that you get to a new gym, it says that like he was already he was already here there, and already yeah. beat it and stuff. Yeah, I loved that stuff, but uh, yeah. So I just man the like the Saturday morning cartoon, just like family friendly, no conflict bullshit of X. Uh, kind of made me a lot less interested in playing it. I hear also oh it had other it had other issues too. 
Like it had this, oh my god, like, okay, so, so they're not making 3v3 Pokemon, instead they're adding all these other dumb mechanics that don't do anything. Like, in Pokemon X, there was this new, like, mega evolution Ugh, mechanic. I hate Have it. you heard about mega evolution? I hate it's it every like, time I see it. It, it only works for one battle. Where it's like your Pokemon Mega evolves for one battle, so your Charizard becomes a Charizard, you know, and he's like, a, you know, um, and that's kind of cool uh, for a second, but it only works for the one battle. Here's my issue with it, though. There's no, there was no reason not to do it, you know. The only, the only, like, there was no. Uh, PP for it, you know, there was no consumable resource that it had to use up to do it. It didn't even take up a fucking turn. Like, wow. there was, there was no reason not to mega evolve your Pokemon, except that it took, tr it, there was a 20 second cutscene every time. And so you didn't want to watch it every time, you know? That's and it was just like, this is the dumbest mechanic I've ever seen. So yeah, anyway. Pokemon yeah. X, I didn't like it. <laughs> they did they did experiment early on and it turned out really well though. Like with Gold and Silver and Gen 2. Gen 2 is my favorite. Um just for you guys so you guys know. Uh they introduced stuff like beauty contests and the beauty contest would judge beauty or cuteness or all this stuff that had nothing to do with the entire Pokemon game at all. Um, it's like, well, I don't fucking want to spend all my time, like, raising an egg to, uh, to, to be a baby Pokemon and then, like, you know, gimping its stats all the way up to the top and making it like a Smurf Pokemon where you just, like, have all the best stats as a baby type and just, like, it all, its only purpose is just to be in that weird, like, in-game beauty contest. And then you go to the Pokemon Center. And then you go upstairs now because it's like it's not just the other side of the counter. You go upstairs and then you see two different uh, rooms. You see the normal battle room and then you see the I want to say they called it the event room or something like that where you could do a real multiplayer like like your in the neighborhood kids friends actual Pokemon in a beauty contest. And it's like then the game kind of was like, hey. You don't need to play this like you always play a Pokemon. You can actually do whatever you want with all the Pokemon that are in this game. You want to catch nothing but, like, Magikarp and then try to beat the game? You can't. You want to make the coolest fucking team of shiny Pokemon and then farm all those? You can. If you want to make a, a thing where it has nothing to do with the stats of winning the game at all, you can. You can farm an egg and then make it just raise it in a really specific way that uh, the game will reward you for uh, in a way that you wouldn't normally get. Yeah. That's the kind of stuff that's like, th those aren't mechanics that I would engage with just because of the way that I play games. But uh, yeah, it's it's great though that like, that like there are people where it's like that's, you know, now they're interested in Pokemon because that is something that they like. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that's cool. I got a game as well. I'm going to keep it brief though because I, I, you know, I want to keep the, the podcast length, uh, down a little bit, okay. um, but I, I, but you know, I, I, briefly, I got I got a little bit of what I've been playing recently. Um, first off, and I'll be I'll be particularly brief about this because I spent way too long on it last time. But I've been playing way more Binding of Isaac. I'm mm. fully back into it now, 
And I gotta say, this this new Repentance expansion is awesome. I I really, really like it now. Uh, before I had like I was half and half on it because I was like, well, it seems like the anti-birth stuff is kind of stupid, but the Ed stuff is really good. Um, I at this point, you know, I I went back and I actually to do a little research. I watched a couple let's plays of anti-birth to like confirm what was what, you know, and uh, and a lot of my suspicions were correct. Um, but there is some stuff that, that is just straight from anti-birth that was just a really, really great idea, so, yeah, a little correction there, like, like, there's a new character called Jacob and Esau that was from, uh, that, that was an anti-birth thing, and, um, and it's really cool, but, but, okay, so, overall, though, I've been playing it a bunch again, the cool new Ed stuff has taken over as far as, like, there's more of it, and I really, really like it. As far as when you go down the, like, alternate path of the of the areas, um, how it works is, like, you can play the game normally. You can still play the game just like you always used to, but now uh, when you beat the bosses and there's the trap door to go down to the next floor, there is optionally another door that takes you to the new place. And uh, and they're like harder versions of the same types of areas. Um, now, though, so that was an anti-birth. And in anti-birth, there, there was this whole thing where it's like, you'd have to go find these rooms that randomly had these items that were pieces of a knife. And then there were uh, there were three of them, I think. And then, um... Find the red then, key, blue key, yellow key. Yeah, so you find these three pieces of a knife, because then when you, when you go to the hard version of the Depths, which is where you fight Mom, you fight, like, this ultra-hard version of Mom, and then, normally in the game, the next floor that you would go to is the Womb, but this this weird red door opens up, or, or is there, but it's closed, and if you found all the knife pieces, you throw it at the door, and that opens that, and that brings you to the alternate path womb, uh, which is called the corpse, right? Let me ask this. Are, are there cutscenes in this game? Uh, only, only when you beat it. There, there's an intro oh. cutscene, and then there are, there, there's several endings, uh, depending on which path you take. Because it seems like it has a pretty thick story from what you told me. And it does. How do you deduce that in a game that looks like you're playing cartoon Diablo? So that's a really good question because if you were to just watch all of the cutscenes in a row, as in like you just watch all the endings, you'd have an idea of the tone of the game and you'd have a couple ideas, but really, um, it's it's really interesting. A lot of the game's story, I think you sort of get by... You kind of have to get by playing it for a long time. Like, you just sort of pick things up one at a time as you play it through the mechanics and through the different items in the game, you know? Like, the idea that... Um, the idea that uh, at the start of the... Or in the opening cutscene, Dad is never mentioned. You know, for this is just an example of like part of how you put together the story. Dad is never mentioned in this in the in the 
um, opening cutscene. Uh, he's pretty much never mentioned in the endings, except for like, except for like a couple, uh, pretty pretty briefly. But but there is an item called Dad's Key that is only found in secret rooms. So you like rarely find it. And it's really weird because dad is never mentioned, you know, but now there's this item that's in the secret room uh, that you find. And and so just stuff like that, you kind of start to put together the well, whole story, you know. May I ask what happens in dad's like, does it does it allude to more story about what where dad went who he was, what he did? Uh, not really. So, we, I, really, all that you really understand about Dad is that he's gone, and uh, there's very little mention of him. But that is story. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like the fact the fact that his item is only found in a secret room sort of implies that like we don't talk about Dad. You know what I mean? And like that story. You know? Yeah, I can see that. Uh, so so it's very bizarre the way that like yeah it, like a lot of a lot of the story you just kind of you know that kind of reminds you... me of sorry I was just gonna say you know mm -hmm. kind of reminds me of, you you've played Portal right mm -hmm. you know how you're going through Portal and then there will be just one area that you feel like you can see something and then you can you feel like you're not supposed to get there and you get out of bounds of the level and you find out that there's like this hole where this other person survived for X amount of days with like you know. Uh, tally marks scratched on the wall and the cake yeah. is a lie and all that stuff. That's kind of like the same thing. Like, you get like a little bit of a bonus in a hidden area and you're like, ooh, interesting. Story that is introduced but never explained. So yeah. now you're left to theorize. I see what you're talking about now. Mm -hmm. And I really like it too because uh, in like Portal, it's a lot of it is environmental while in Isaac, a lot of it is in game mechanics the way that it does it, you know? Ooh, explain um, that, please. Well, that's kind of what I mean about the secret room kind of thing, you know? Okay. And, like, how certain items are secret room, right? I thought and you meant, like, how, whole... how a certain gun would fire some way or something. Well, I also talked about the whole, like, angel versus demon room mechanic earlier about how, like, you have to pay life or soul in order to get devil items while angel items are free. But you can only get angel items if you ignore the devil rooms and, like, that kind of thing. Yeah. That that's like game mechanics that are that are giving you story, you know what I mean? Um and then uh yeah, so and then the other thing is like um like the different characters and the way that uh like for example, um so all of the different characters are technically Isaac, just different like personas of his or different like yeah. you know, it's sort of him dressing up, you know? But then one of the characters, uh, the the amount of starting, so the health, your your health in the game is represented by hearts like Zelda, and that idea of them being hearts, though, the amount of health that each character starts with is like how much Isaac likes that part of him oh. or that persona. You know what I mean? Yeah. And like, so that's what I mean. It's a game mechanic. The amount of life you have is a extremely relevant game mechanic, 
but it's also used to give you this weird hint of a story. You know what I mean? I like that. Uh, like, for example, one of the characters is Judas, which is like Isaac's, uh, it's like his anxiety about the idea that he's betrayed his mom, you know? Hence, Judas uh, is, is that character. And that character starts with only one HP. He's got like the least HP in the game of any character that, uh, and so stuff like that, um, like, and so it, it, yeah, it creates this really weird thing where it's like, where it's like, even though you're, you're only told very little story after you've played a bunch of it, you sort of like have absorbed a lot of the story. And I think that's really interesting. Yeah. I, I, um, I, I dig games that tell you what you wouldn't expect to in like just happenstance, like environmental happenings. Yeah. And so, um, so the, with this expansion, so what I noticed, uh, uh, about like the difference between anti-birth and now repentance, because again, anti-birth was the fan mod, uh, and then repentance is a port of anti-birth made official, but also with a bunch of stuff added. And, uh, and, and so in anti-birth, if you went down the alternate harder path, you would find these knife pieces in repentance it's made into a puzzle i don't know if i should i, I i'm not gonna spoil how you do the puzzle but it's i kind of want to because it's really fucking cool <laughs> but basically it's like uh it's like what i was saying where where i i think ed mcmillan is like such a genius game designer and uh and and so like it's really cool to see now the way that like anti-birth this this really ambitious and cool fan mod like inspired him to do more with isaac in the form of repentance and what he did with the anti-birth stuff is so cool like so so the way that you find these knife pieces now are are like these puzzles that he's put in or one of them's a puzzle one of them is like an actual action sequence that you can unlock after you do the puzzle it's like the first knife piece is a puzzle that's really cryptic and really cool. Uh, and it adds, like, this layer of, of early game uh, that is really interesting. Um, where, where there's, like, some... As you're, as you're doing the puzzle that you need to do to get the first knife piece, it's also, like, this really heavy risk-reward thing. Where, let's just, let's just say, the more time that you spend in the puzzle, the you can get a couple more items out of it and stuff, but it's really risky because you're at close risk of death while you're in the puzzle area, you know? So it's like now the that part of the game has this, like, really cool risk-reward that wasn't there before. And then if you do the puzzle, then the next floor has this action sequence to get the next, uh, to get the next knife piece. And it's like nothing else that I've ever seen in Isaac. It's actually like a running through several rooms uh, quickly uh, with <laughs> something chasing you. And it's like a, it's like an action thing that is really dope. Um, so yeah. So that kind of stuff, plus the new characters, have made me super into Repentance now, and I'm I'm all about it, and I, I've been playing mostly that. I feel like I need um, to play this game now. I can't believe you've put uh, so many hours into that game. It's so good. I don't know how someone gets into it now, though, which is kind of an issue that I imagine. Just that when I started playing the game, it was on Flash, and yeah. there were like a... 
there were like a hundred items in the game, you know, and now there's like 400 or 500, you know? So it's like, I, if you were to start playing the game now, I, I'd be really interested just to see what it's like, be, to see what a new, what a new player would think of how big it is, you know? Cause for me, it was kind of small and it's been growing over the last, over the last, well, what? Seven years, it's been grow. Eight years, it's been growing. You've but just if you just you've just proved Heisenberg's uncertainty principle, though, because you you, you want to see me now as a new player's experience, but you've now given me this context of oh, it's much bigger than it used to be. So I'm going into it with a headspace of yes, this is what it is. This is how this is my only experience of it. But mm. it could be different, like it used to be. Damn it, they don't well, make games like they used to. <laughs> Well, one thing you could do, and I would be even more interested in this, is you don't have to get the expansions right away. You can just buy the Binding of Isaac Rebirth, right? Okay. And that doesn't have any of the expansions. And I wonder... Oh, that removes how... the items? Like, the other items out? Yeah. Okay. H however, I do wonder how much of the balance changes are still in Rebirth, though. You know what I mean? Oh. Like, I mentioned, I mentioned last week, or whenever I was last talking about Isaac, I mentioned that, like, they changed the gold chest pool to be a lot better now, you know? I wonder if that recursively affects Rebirth if you don't have Repentance. I'm not sure. I hope so, though, because, I don't know, they made it better. Um, is there yeah. any way, is there any website still hosting the original Flash version? Oh, yeah. Uh, well, you can just buy the Flash version on, on Steam still. Oh, okay. It's like five, it, and it's like, it's $5 or something like oh, that. Oh, wait, didn't you say it ran at like 12 frames a second, though? Yeah, the frame, it, dude, it's not super good, the Flash game anymore. Yeah. I mean, play, it's worth $5 to play it for a minute, you know, <laughs> and just to kind of see what it's like. But once you get frustrated with it and you're like, ah, this kind of sucks, then go to Rebirth. <laughs> I've never heard of anyone who would pay $5 to play a 12 frame per second game and say it's worth it. I mean, I played I played it for like 500 hours when it, yeah, was, yeah, when it was the only Isaac. Uh, but anyway, so yeah, there's that. The other thing I've been oh, playing, though, and I yeah. want to get to this because I'm finally talking about a retro game. I've been playing Shin Megami Tensei 2, and it's great. Uh, yeah, it's great. It's pretty cool. <laughs> Could do a real cool, deep dive in that, or are we, or are we just going to say, yeah, it's pretty good? <laughs> well, I'll give you the brief talk about it which is that so originally there was Megami Tensei and it was on Famicom and then there was Megami Tensei 2 on Famicom. Is that an Enix then, property? No it's Atlas. Atlas. Oh, it, was, it was Atlas back then too still. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. Then there was Shin Megami Tensei on Super Famicom and then there was Shin Megami Tensei 2 on Super Famicom. Then and, and at this point, the U.S. had never heard of Shin Megami Tensei before. Then, on the PS2, there came out Shin Megami Tensei 3, uh, which I don't know what it was called in all regions, but I think in Europe it's called Lucifer's Call or something, which is really sweet. Mm. But in the U.S., it's called Shin Megami Tensei Nocturne. And that's and that, the third game. That is three. Um... So, I want to play these games in the U.S. in English, right? Uh, which the only, like, official... If I'm right, I think the only, like, official English release of Shin Megami Tensei 
is on iPhone or oh, something whoa, like that. Whoa. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> cool. And, well, and not cool. Maga- but... <laughs> and Megami Tensei 1 and 2 just don't exist. Uh, and and I'm not sure about the status of Shin Megami Tensei 2. Um, so, luckily, there are really cool people that are also really smart and speak multiple languages that have translated these games for us. So if you go to good old romhacking.net, you can get patches for these games to play them in English. And so one thing, one little note about it is that, uh, so Megami Tensei 1 and 2, actually they did like a Mario All-Stars kind of thing with it, where they remade 1 and 2 and packaged them together for Super Famicom. Uh, and so that's the version I played of Megami Tensei 1 and 2, was the Super Famicom upgraded version. Okay. Now, here's what's kind of weird about it, though, was that that package came out after Shin Megami Tensei 1 and 2 came out for Super Famicom. So I played the la- technically the last Super Famicom game that they did for Megami Tensei, which was the remake of Megami Tensei 1 and 2. And it was awesome. Loved them, right? Then going to Shin Megami Tensei was like a step back in like quality of life and how good the game looked and that kind of stuff. Because now it's the first Super Famicom game they made, you know? Uh, So that was kind of weird and jarring. Um, SMT1 had some issues that made it a little hard to get through. Let me uh, ask this. All I know about Shin Megami Tensei or Megami Tensei is that it is the umbrella universe for the persona uh franchise but yeah persona can almost be considered entirely different because of how irrelevant it is to the story of shin megami tensei am i getting this right like is it is it to the point where it's like that's just the universe that we're in here's the high school and then here we are that's persona so it's not even the universe. Um, this is a good thing that you asked because I was starting to get too nitty gritty before like what this series actually is. Yeah. <laughs> so so yeah. So Shin Megami Tensei is a series of video games. Okay. Cool. We got that. Now there are spinoffs of it. So Persona, as well as Digital Devil Saga, Devil Summoner, Devil Survivor. Uh, what are some other ones? There's other ones, too, that I can't remember right now. These are all spin-offs of Shin Megami Tensei that do not take place in the same universe. They what? just have a lot of the same stuff in them. Oh, a... so it's Final Fantasy. Like, there's chocobos in every Final Fantasy, but... Yeah. Okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, uh, so, for example, like, um, all of the demons in... So, so Shin Megami Tensei is a game, or just Megami Tensei, it, it is a game where the idea is that a uh, demons have, they're in the world now. Demons and angels, well, actually, they're all demons. They're all demons. Uh, they are, like, in the world, and shit's getting kind of fucked up. But this computer programmer has made a computer program that allows him to talk to demons, So, with the ability to talk to demons, uh, he's able to, like, make pacts with them and all that. And then the computer is also able to then digitize the demon 
and st store it in the computer to then summon later. It's so, Digimon. <laughs> um, so what that so so what you actually get out of that is it is a it is a the the first Megami Tensei is a first person dungeon crawler where you get into fights and when you get into a fight with a demon you can fight it or you can talk to it and it's gonna say things like oh, you're pretty fucking ugly aren't you <laughs> and 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 you can say like yeah or fuck <laughs> you you know yeah and if you if you say if you say fuck you the demon might be like oh you've got some spunk i like that you know and then you can be like be my demon and he's, he'll be like okay but give me 35 dollars you know and you're like all right you can have 35 dollars and he's like okay that's not enough, though. I also want a magic stone. You put the like, decimal okay. in the wrong place. It's supposed to be tree fitting. And, and so, oh right, right. <laughs> and so, and so then, so then you you give him the so then you give him the magic stone, and he's like, okay, well, thanks for all the shit. See ya. And then he leaves, and you're like, fuck. <laughs> uh, and that's 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 the game in a nutshell. But but here's the thing, though, is. Uh, if you do properly negotiate, then you get the demon in your party, and now you fight with the demon, and it's in your party. So it's like, yeah. So so Megami Tensei versus Fantasy Star 1. What's the difference? First person, dungeon crawler, RPG. What was the difference you visually and, and, and mechanically? Well, visually, it's that all of the demons that you're fighting, a lot of them are inspired by, like, several different, uh, like, mythologies, you know? So you've got, like, um, like, Oni in there, you know? And then you've got, like, well, it's, it's, it's hard to, I, I don't know a lot about this shit, so it's a little hard to get into specifics, but, like, Beelzebub and, uh, and... You know, it's very hell centric, from what I understand, because it's yeah. But well, there's also a lot of angels. There's like you know, like, the, the, yeah. like pow power and principality and uh, an archangel. You know, all uh, all of these things. I'm I'm avoiding saying the big ones because they're actually characters okay, instead okay. of just like random demons that you fight. How does the game hand? Okay, without spoiling it, obviously. But how does mm. the game handle angels? Does it handle them in like? the uh the buddy christ like like normal sense of oh i got a halo and i got wings and i'm wearing a big white dress hey i'm an angel or uh is it like from what i understand like cryptic like christian mythology real angels where like if a human were to actually see one their like eyes would just explode out of their fucking head ah so here's how it is they are demons technically the angels are all Yep, so all the angels and all the demons are all demons. I think partly maybe because, uh, well, I don't know. It's one of those things where, like, in Japanese, the word demon kind of means something different than it does in the U.S., you know? Because under Christian rules, angels and demons are two opposing things, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. But in this, it's they're all demons, right? <laughs> However, angels are law-aligned, light uh -huh. and law-aligned demons, while, like, demon demons are chaos-aligned demons. 
Um, and so those are two opposing ideologies. And so it's kind of like Elder Scrolls. Uh, I'm not sure because I haven't played much Elder Scrolls. Adra but... and Daedra, uh, they're all they're all like demons, quote unquote. But some are lawful and and helpful, and then some are uh, evil. <laughs> right. So, um, here's the thing though: is that it's not really good and evil; it's law and chaos, mm -hmm. right? So the whole idea of the game is that God and the angels are law, and they want to tell you how to live. They, they, they promise utopia, right? And everyone will be happy under their utopian rule. However, it's very lawful, and you have to live their way, you know? They make the law, and if everyone lives this way, it's a utopia. Meanwhile, chaos demons are like, fuck that, just do whatever the fuck you want, you know? And, uh, and they're very against that, that type of, like, lawfulness. Uh, which I think is really cool because, you know, that's sort of a lot of, like, what actual, that actual religious mythology is like, you know? Where, like, Lucifer and Satan, right, isn't necessarily evil, right? He's not just bad, he simply wants you to question God. He wants you to think for yourself. He wants humanity to sort of be separated from God and be its own thing, right? A very Which, in individualist kind of uh, character. Yeah, so like, you know, critical thinking, questioning authority, anarchy, and that yeah. kind of thing, right? Uh, which, you know, of course, like, from the perspective of someone who believes in God and heaven, that is evil, right? Of course. But from the perspective, from like an outside perspective, those are the opposing ideologies. And that's what's brought into the game. In SMT, you meet God and you meet Lucifer and these are the things that are happening. And depending on whether you choose lawful or chaotic uh, things throughout your quest in the game, there are three different endings on each of the games. There is a law ending where you create God's utopia. You know, there is a chaos ending where everything is just fucking nutso. And then there's a neutral ending also where, uh, where, where you are for humanity, you know, and you're, you're not lawful or chaotic and you're a happy medium, you know? Yeah. Um, so yeah, so so game so that's the that's the world that you're in. So you're talking to these demons. These different demons have these different ideologies. You run into the different demons that are doing these different things. Um, like a big story is that like the lawful demons they want to create the thousand year kingdom, you know. But then the uh, which is like which is the utopia I was talking yeah. about, right? But then everyone else is like, no, they're gonna kill everyone who isn't uh, part of the. You know, who doesn't abide by the law and that kind of thing. So, so we you, can't do that. The game that. forces you into a, a moral struggle, too. Yeah, yeah. Um, right. Uh, but the neutral option is there, you know, okay. where you can just say no to everybody, basically. You Fuck know? off, um, all of you. <laughs> yeah. 
so yeah, so like for some, uh, like I think it's pretty brilliant, uh, like story wise. It's it's really cool to to be in this world with with this kind of subject matter. I personally think it's really interesting, uh, especially given that you have the choices to do the different things and have the different endings and stuff, which is really cool for for Super Famicom, you know, like uh, or for original Famicom for the first couple of games. Yeah, um, you know. So yeah, so actual gameplay is, you know, the first person dungeon crawling and uh and and when you get into battles, you can either fight or you can talk. And so talking to the demons, I mentioned that you can recruit them, right? And then they become on your party and then you can fight with them. You can also just talk to them just to get them to go away, you know, <laughs> a lot of the time. So, uh it's really interesting like you can like um, the main character doesn't get any magic spells, uh, so intelligence doesn't seem like it would do anything at first for him, uh, because he doesn't have magic spells to cast, while for the other character, intelligence dictates how much MP she has and what spells she has and how powerful they are, you know? Uh, but if you raise your main character's intelligence, he gets better at talking, so theoretically, you could put all your points into intelligence and just talk your way out of all the fights uh, while not really having any strength, you know? Also something so, I've always wanted to do in Elder Scrolls. <laughs> all yeah. the points into charisma, nothing else. Yeah, so so I really like all of the choices that the game has as far as like how you play through it. And then the game also does some other really fucking nutso stuff. That is really interesting and unique. For example, I mentioned that your main character is a computer programmer, and it's this computer program that allows him to talk to demons, right? That means that uh, if your main character is dead or paralyzed or something like that, and you're just running around with, uh, you know, he's in the party, but he's dead or paralyzed, um, but you still have the girl main character, uh who's the magic user, that means you can't talk to demons during that time. You can't talk to demons, you can't summon demons out of your computer because you can't use your computer. Even, the game has an auto map, you know, because it's a first person dungeon crawler, so you can bring up like the grid paper map of what you've explored. You can't access your map oh. if your main character is dead or paralyzed Damn. because he can't use the computer. You know? And, like, just weird, specific, nutso stuff like that I think is so cool. Mm. Uh, where where it's, it just, it, it really gets you immersed, you know? Um, and it's just, yeah. it's just interesting that they have the balls to do that kind of thing, you know? Uh, so, yeah. I, I've been really liking the series. Um, I'm on Shin Megami Tensei 2 right now, which I like a lot. I like it more than Shin Megami Tensei 1. Um, at this point, I would say m the, the remakes, the Super Famicom remakes of Megami Tensei 1 and 2 have been my favorite favorite, and then probably SMT2 and then SMT1. Where so did the far. remakes, what, what, what system are the remakes for? Super Famicom. It's kind of like Mario All-Stars, where oh, they remade okay. they remade the two Famicom ones, upgraded them, put them into a single package on Super Famicom. Gotcha. Um, so yeah, really, really cool games, and I've been uh, I've been really liking it. Um, oh, one thing I'll say is that so the first the Megami Tensei was the first person dungeon crawler, right? They all have first person dungeon crawling, but only the first one is always that. 
where it's like the world map is just like the tower and then there's some ground and then another tower, right? And it's just all dungeons all the way down, you know? Uh, but the Megami Tensei 2, they introduce an actual world map, you know, where you go out into the world and then now it's an overhead view and you're a little dude walking around and you walk into the city. But okay, now the city's back in first person, you know? Um, so yeah, so that's kind of cool that they... You know, you see the advancement over time if you play them in order and stuff. You mentioned the when you were going through how the uh, that the alignment system works and how the game forces you into mental conflicts and all that sort of thing. I was actually thinking about the game like the modern Persona and not mm-hmm. Shin Megami Tensei one or two. Um, it's interesting that you get that complexity in an early SNES game or you know. At SFC or whatever. Because uh, what you were saying made it sound like the what I would imagine modern Persona to be like, except you didn't really name any like like high school tropes or anything that would give it away. Um, because in Shin Megami Tensei, I'm assuming you're sword and board also with computers. Like It has nothing to do with a high school thing at all. Um, you're just in a universe of, of, of the same demons and, and angels i guess correct like the first game you've got a sword uh and then your buddy is a magic user uh the second game i think it was the second game but it might have not been until shin megami tensei i don't exactly remember but they introduced guns so you have swords and guns Quick uh, question so it is that actually you mentioned your buddy is the magic user mm-hmm. there's not a lot of games especially from that era where um you are not just the normal sword and board hero, right? What? How many games have there been where you, the direct first-person controllable person, is the magic user of the party? You know, there's not a lot. It's a good question. It you know, it depends on how you want to play. Because yeah, these games um, don't allow you to be. Because if you do intelligence, it's just your negotiation uh-huh. abilities. It, you know. Uh, because yeah, your main character just doesn't learn spells or have MP intelligence is purely for his talking skills. Right. Um, but we'll, we'll, I'll get into that in a second though, because we'll, we'll, um, so like, yeah, so persona is a spinoff of Shin Megami Tensei. So you might ask, how are they related then? So all of the demons that you fight and meet and all that, who are just demons walking around and you run into them in Shin Megami Tensei. Those are what they use for personas in Persona. Oh, so, cool. Uh, so it's Damn, this is more and more like Final Fantasy the more I think about it. <laughs> yeah, so, so the idea in Persona is that now you are a bunch of uh, edgy high school students and you learn that you have the powers of Personas, right? Uh, uh, but your main character is special. He has lots of Personas. This is also um, JoJo's. <laughs> He he's got lots of personas, as in he can uh like like all of the other characters, they just have one persona, you know, and it's just some demon uh from Shin Megami Tensei. But uh but then there's all there's a whole smorgasbord of all the other demons, and your main character is able to equip one of them at a time. And the really cool thing, and this answers your question, is um how persona works is your character themselves does not have stats. They inherit the stats of whichever persona they have equipped, and you can change personas every turn in battle should you choose to. 
So you can very easily be the magic user in Persona. That makes sense then. Okay. It all just depends on which Persona you want to take over. That's pretty cool then. I like the way that... I, I, that handles it in a really good way then. Because I... Yeah, it's... I, I, I'm always... I'm still longing for like the the thing that I didn't get when I when I loaded up Elder Scrolls Oblivion for the first time and found out, oh, wait a minute, I can make my stats to be like a healer. I can focus on recovery spells. I can heal other people. The game is never going to give you like the traditional like, hey, you got a friend in your party who's a tank and you got DPS and you can actually sit back and heal and be super helpful. No, it's never going to do that. It just well, makes it so you can heal yourself and like maybe a, a temporary ally for like a little bit, a little bit better. I'm thinking of a few more examples here. So old Final Fantasies, you totally can, but part of that is because none of the characters yeah. in old, in Final Fantasy one through three, none of the characters are the main character. All four are just the four, right? But in uh, in Final Fantasy four, five, and six. And by that I mean only Final Fantasy V, because that's the one with the job system. Yep. You you can you can be magic on on butts or whatever his butts, name was in your yeah. par- in your particular translation of it. Another good example though is uh, Xenoblade Chronicles. So in Xenoblade Chronicles, you this one's a little different. Uh, this is kind of like how the Tales games do it. Also, in Xenoblade Chronicles, as well as in the Tales of games. The main character is the main character, and he does his thing, or she does her thing, but you can choose which party member you play as. Love it. That's a that's a great thing that I do love about uh, this game here, Tales of the Abyss. A lot of the characters are super annoying, and so you don't have to play them, and you can hear their dialogue less because you can set yourself as, like, whatever character you want is, like, the head of the party. Like, you know how if you play Final mm-hmm. Fantasy VII... Uh, you're always going to be like cloud. I want to say, I don't, unless yep. you, I, did they have it to where if you put like Tifa in the first slot, she becomes the person. I think they did where she becomes the person walking around. There um, is a scripted sequence where you play as the other characters. Yeah. But I think during, I, I want to say during the parts where cloud is in the party, he has to be in the party. Yeah. So like on the world map, I want to say, uh, I think there's, instances where cloud will be dead obviously but you're cloud walking around um it's it's kind of like that in 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 the tales games where if you just select that character who you want to be you'll be the person in real life so you have you can hear their dialogue interactions and it's a lot more relieving for for bad voice acting yeah and it's kind of interesting too because the different characters around town say different things to you depending on who you are and you can actually get more like information that way and that kind of thing or items yeah. Yep. So that's a that's a cool thing mm-hmm. uh, that those games did. And uh, so yeah, Xenoblade Chronicles, um, very similar thing. You choose which character you play as, uh, and so like in battle, you can just be the healer if you want, just like you're saying. So yeah, cool thing there. But yeah, I've been playing Shin Megami Tensei two. I uh, I really like it. It's the fourth, you know, Megami Tensei one two, then Shin Megami Tensei one two. So I'm on the fourth of four of these like old school first person dungeon crawling ones. Because uh, the next one is going to be Nocturne on the PS2, and that's going to be a lot different. But I'm super excited for that one also. Because there was this other, uh, there was this other spinoff of Shin Megami Tensei for PS2 called Digital Devil Saga, and it is one of the best JRPGs I've ever played. 
Uh, so it makes me very excited to play the other SMT PS2 games now. Well, also because Persona 3 and 4 were also on PS2, and those are two more of the best JRPGs I've ever played. <laughs> well, yeah, well, that's what I was going to say. I was like, I didn't even consider it until after you just said that, but Shin Megami Tensei 2 is on the Super Famicom, a.k.a. SNES, and then the next one is on PS2, like all the yep. way over a decade later. Like, yeah. oh, shit. Uh, well, I guess if you think about it in modern terms, like game companies do that all the time, but then if you think about it, Revelations Persona released on PS1. So Persona yes. took the new, like, that that was where Atlas, I guess, chose to go. Yeah, Persona 1 and 2 were on PS1. Oh, I thought and just then, 1 was. Yep, and then, uh, and then PS2 is where we got Nocturne or Shin Megami Tensei 3, and then that's also where we got Persona, Persona 3. 3 and Persona 4. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Okay. And then we did and and then we didn't get Persona 5 until PS4. Now it did come out on PS3 also, but it wasn't until the PS4 was out. Okay. So that's what I was gonna say. I was like, wait a minute, I know there's Persona on PS3 because there's also that fighting persona game on PS3 that uh my friend Nikki has. Apparently that thing is just yeah. gonna be that thing is gonna be so expensive as the years come by. It's already expensive. Yeah, yeah. And right, I didn't bother mentioning it also, but technically there's actually uh, two Persona 2s on PS1. Uh, that game released in two parts. There was Innocent Sin and then mm. Eternal Punishment. So yeah, part two was a two-parter. Interesting. Not not in the same disc case. It's just a separate game. Right. And to make it extra annoying, the U.S. only got the second half. <laughs> uh, yeah. Why? Uh, well, at first, on PS1... Then, when they remade the Persona games for the PSP, we got the first half. I think this is where that company called Working Designs comes in. Because I think they were responsible for us getting a chunk of this uh, Atlas stuff, I want to say, from Japan. Were they? I, I, I know Working Designs did uh, Alundra uh, and... I'm, I'm just spitballing, or not I'm guessing here Were they also the Lunar people? I do think they did the uh, what Lunar Story or something like that. Silver Star or, Story. Lunar Silver or Star. Yeah. Dude, like, uh, quick aside, Lunar Silver Star Story, like in the fancy big collector's box for PS1, I see a copy of that in every single retro game store that I walk into. I never. And see it's that. all. <laughs> it's always there. <laughs> oh, because every it's not store has one. That's because no one's gonna buy it for what they want. <laughs> not unless you're I, I think i feel like only ebay sales take place at that price level at that price level is it e i you know i've never even asked the price on it i just noticed that they all have it i don't know the actual price on it i just assume obscure jrpg in a retro console which will always work no matter what because it didn't need system updates and shit like that uh, I know that shit's going to go through the roof, especially when they're low print, which is what working designs kind of did. They they made things that were yeah. low print and they, they brought them to like Canada and, and by extension the U.S. One other neat thing that working designs did was uh, they they printed their games with like different disc arts. So like Alundra, for example, has like eight different uh, disc arts, hmm. which makes the games extra collectible, you know? God, I hate that. <laughs> I know, I kind of hate it from, like, a collector's standpoint, but I love it from an artistic standpoint. Oh, you know? yeah, yeah, for sure. Like, uh, 
one of my I think my favorite set of Pokemon trading cards I have is the full set of like I think it's like fifteen or sixteen um it's like Pokemon Adventure or Vacation Island or something. It came out right before Pokemon the movie two thousand. So like if you collect the cards in order and put them in a binder three by three, you know, uh mm-hmm. their art goes across. It, it it's cotton it continuous is that a word it goes continuous continuous it goes all the (laughs) way on one side uh and each side each each three pokemon cards is one single mural and there's like three or there's like three like four or five different murals of the different parts of the island it's a really cool set that sounds pretty cool i was so disappointed when i was younger uh, that the uh, the pieces of Exodia didn't do that in Yu-Gi-Oh. <laughs> <Did>, wait, <laughs> di- didn't like explode in light? You mean? And then like? No, they didn't. They weren't continuous or contiguous. Yeah, you have to place them in a certain way for them to be like that. They don't do it. I know. I'm telling you. It's look stupid. at the Exodia pieces. They don't work I together. Know. That bothered me. Right. I found that out too, though. Yeah. See. So anyway, that's relevant though. We we have these discussions because we we, we, we we get pissed about shit no one else cares about. <laughs> <laughs> but um I would say <sighs> video games that, that mm, I think I might have lost the plot. It might be that hour. Alright. Well yeah, speaking of that hour, I gotta get to bed pretty soon here. Me too. We're old. But there we go. It's uh, it was a good discussion. I think uh, you know, we had a good discussion on controllers. I enjoyed our what we play in uh, discussion as well. I, can I suggest the topic for next week? Yeah, it's one I think you and I both could probably talk about ad nauseum. Mm-hmm. CRTs. Just talk about some CRTs. We could talk about everything CRT uh, retro game related, display input, wh- whatever. Um, I th- yeah, I think that would be a good idea because I really like uh, to set the stage as far as like the the retro game and shit that happens around here. Yeah, um, and and I I I'm a glutton for punishment, um, and I have a bone to pick with CRTs right now, even though they are my favorite way to play retro games, obviously. Got a serious bone to what? pick with him, and I'll talk about it then if if you want to yeah. do that. What a cliffhanger. We'll hear about it next time. What a cliffhanger. But yeah, and also if you guys have any suggestions for uh, for topics, you can either, if you're on YouTube, you can leave a comment. Otherwise, you can email us. I have neglected to mention this the entire time so far uh, out of any episodes, but you can email us at twogrumpydickheads at gmail.com. That's two spelled out, T-W-O. Two grumpy dickheads at gmail.com. Send us, you know, if you want. Yeah. We might not read it, though. I don't know if either of us actually read the emails that come in there. We see them on accident when we use Google Drive, so. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. That is, yeah, so we will see them. Also, my phone might go off if I get one, so. So you know, if I, you need I, to get to Dasher's fine. phone immediately, email us at <laughs> two grumpy dickheads. <laughs> So I would say I, I wasn't even aware that we were going to monitor that. But yeah, if you if you want to email us that, that's 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 too good. And Nick, when I came up with that name, I was so amazed that Google, A, let it happen and B, it wasn't taken. That I, it, I think I suggested it, but as a joke. Oh, yeah. And yeah. then you 
And then you actually went and did it. Yeah, that's, I, I'm pretty sure that's how it went. And I put it in, and then I was like, what the fuck? But, <laughs> yeah, I think you're right. I think we should probably capitalize on that a little bit more. We should use well, that. Well, yeah, you know, that, that is the email address for the podcast, so you can email it if you'd like. Yeah, But, I mean, it's fucking 2021. You can just DM us on Twitter also. Exactly. So, you know, there's a million ways to get a hold of us if you have questions or comments or ideas on what to talk about next time so for now then thank you Knox. i'm dash you're Knox. i'm Knox. thank you dash have yourselves an excellent day and week and whatnot and we'll see you next week later <laughs>